11 o'clock comics episode 110 that we made it to 110 it's crazy that we made it to 110 I'm gonna have to stop soon yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, it's like funny to joke like that. There's not even funny. You say you want to go back to talking about Marvel, which is pretty much what we've been doing anyway. That's right. Snap. Honestly, though, I don't. I don't think I will get back because I have free reign to talk about whatever I want. So there's no real way to get bored. Plus, the thing that really seems to be is I see this time around. Love the co-hosts. Well, <laughs> mo- most of the co-hosts. <laughs> At least they're true. Jason is, is just a fantastic person to be around. Chris is all warm and cuddly. Yeah. By the way, I'm sorry, it's been, I mean, what, given how many episodes right now, you have to say, I, I think uh, I missed a few early, but it's been a long time since I missed one. It has. Yeah. And yeah, I would say that you missed less than Chris. Yeah. I missed one week and then a half of an episode. But it's like taking a few vacations. I think it's I like opening up an issue of the Fantastic Four and Ben's not week, in it. You missed Come half on. an episode. You disappeared for like a half hour the week before that. Yeah, you get. You had other duties to do. To your your unholy true. masters. You know. I'm here. I'm here. You got. I'm nice. Oh, two hours tonight, oh. and you're gonna hear way too much of me tonight because I got some awesome oh, shit to talk about. You're you're illin. Oh, well, listen you? to Jason. Jason's like, well, I guess I'll go then. <laughs> I'm glad you, I'm glad you're here because I have some manga manga goodness tonight. Oh uh, boy! Well, you I'll do need read some manga this week. Ask, I'll need oh. a refill at some point. No, no, buddy, come on! It, I, I, this is the one for you, guaranteed. This is the manga for you. I, I, I told you I liked that one. Yeah, that but th- one. that was a two-volume horror. Gio, you're talking about, right? No, no, no. Um, Pluto. No. Oh, you yeah. did. You read the first one. Yeah, I read the first. one. Well, that's what I'm talking about tonight. So you'll be in. That's with what it. I'm going to talk about. No kidding. Wow, I read the second volume this week. Oh, I, Jason. I can't I, tell me about it. I am going to have to leave. Well, then oh. good. No, well, I won't reveal any spoilers. Neither, neither would Jason. Oh, yeah, because you would never do that. I don't. I actually, I actually talked to someone at Summit City about that this weekend. Really? Yeah. About, yeah. Which, uh, about Vince and his, well, I'm not going to spoil it for you. And like but. 30 minutes, but And then like 30 minutes later, as he's gone like point by point, page, almost panel by panel, breaking down this thing. But I'm not going to spoil it for you. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, wait. I feel who, bad now, but I'm not going to stop doing it. Who is Summit City brought to you by? We should really do it the right way. Yeah. Hey, everybody. It's 11 o'clock comics, and I am Vince B., and I'm in a little bit of pain. Think about it. Oh, I'm in oh, a little bit of pain. Yeah. Hurting like right. Merton. I'm I'm a, an unwitting passenger on the Battlestar Sciatica. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Hey. Yikes. Not a good ship to be on. No. No, no that is not right. the good ship lollipop there. <laughs> um, I'm Chris Bernaceman. I'm, I'm still a little froggy-throated, but uh, feeling much, much better this week. Good. And it's yes. good to have you back, kind of. It's good to be back. Yay. Mostly. <laughs> Um, I'm David Price, and I'm waving to everybody. Look at that. I saw it. I really saw it. I know you Me did. Me too. Me too. Yeah. It, it's, the question was, what was he waving at us? Looked like his a hand. Polish sausage. Dangling. Like, like horribly uh, infected and, uh, Polish sausage. And, and fresh off a uh, six-year stint of creating great TV, I am Damon Lindelof. No. You wish, but you're not. You, you did it take that long for his miniseries to come out, too? 
Well, it was effectively a miniseries. Yeah. I was talking about Ultimate Hulk vs. Wolverine. Oh, we don't talk about that. Is it finished? No. Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh. No, you're not, Damon Lindelof. You are the man, Jason Wood. We are all here, old school, big hug. We're going to do it up this time. No guests, yeah, even though we love the them. We love no. the guests, but uh, it's just us this week. And as usual, this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by the wonderful people at Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Please, do not pay retail for your books. You don't have to. You can get them at 40% off. Marvel and DC and Image and Dark Horse at 40% off. That's unbelievably good. I don't have to tell you that. You already know it. Do some shopping. Go to some local comic shops. See what you can get. And then compare. And I bet you, you won't find discounts as high as that. Discount Comic Book Service. And... DCBService.com. Go there because they're awesome. They will treat you right, give you the books you want, when you want them, the frequency you want them at amazing discounts. But anyway, I would like to thank Mr. Zach Crusey for sending in that Stan Lee voicemail and giving the people on our forum something to talk about from last <laughs> episode. Because it, it, it seems like that's all they focused on. Zach was so on the mark with that thing. He just eclipsed everything we, we talked about. He, he eclipsed our guest. It was crazy. So thank you, Zach. That was awesome. Even though Stan doesn't like me, which I really don't care. Discount comic book doesn't like you. No. What the hell? Was I was him? I was actually at the new uh, DCBS store. Uh, they've moved since the last time I was uh, gracing uh, Fort Wayne, and yeah, uh, the new store is awesome. <laughs> Not you found it. They got to move again. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's that Neesman kid again. Another new location. I, p- I picked up some sweet stuff at the DCBS sale, too. I got my uh, my Steve Ditko Creeper omnibus and uh, nice. the uh, DC Comics Classic Library, The Roots of the Swamp Thing. Wait a minute. Hmm. Creeper omnibus? Yeah, it's... Um, uh, yeah, uh, you know the um, uh, the you know the Kirby omnibus, like the Fourth World omnibus that they yeah. put out? It's There's in the... A- it's in the exact same format, but it's uh, Steve Ditko, The Creeper by Steve Ditko. How the hell did I not hear about this? It's oh, awesome. For a while. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, it was solicited in through previews and everything, and I didn't um, see it. Well, yeah. I know, because it was out. Uh, Patrick had it for 50% off at the Windy City Con last October, so. Oh, I'm just not paying attention then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Because I'm buying the back issues. Why the hell would I want to do that if I can get the omnibus? Yeah, it's it's. I'll let you... Yeah, I'll let you know what's in it. Let me, I'll have to grab it here in a minute. Um, well, what's up? Let's hit the drink roll call because I definitely want to tell you guys about my exploits this past weekend and, and talk comics because it feels like I haven't talked comics with you guys in oh, forever. Oh, folks, yeah. Well, that's here to talk that, about. That comics. wasn't our choice. <laughs> I, I know, I know you guys have been very patient. We're going to give you huge right? amounts of, cr- of crap. I know, I know. That's new, though. Blah, blah, I know. Blah. You guys are great for blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was so heartfelt. Wait a minute. I need a tissue. <laughs> I have a tear. <laughs> All right. up inside. All right, Vance, why don't you why don't you start us off? I am trying to numb the pain with Yingling Lager. Nice. Got a good Yingling story, by the way. Who is there any bad Yingling story? You got a lot of good stories for us. It's it's fun. Okay, because uh, remember whenever remember whenever we were talking about uh, uh, Jim Rugg and and what he would what he would be drinking. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, and, and you guys. Oh, oh, he's from Pittsburgh, so he'd be drinking Yingling. I was like, no, no, not a not a Yingling guy. And uh, and I was right. He hates Yingling. Oh shit. <laughs> well, so I just, even I, I thought all, I think flaws. Oh yeah, I'm really disappointed to hear that. <laughs> but does love the military. Jim, I thought you were cool, dude. Does love the champagne of beers. And you know, Chris, I want to thank you in advance. 
uh-huh. for getting us all copies of Rambo 3.5. That was very nice of you. I had nothing to do with that. Oh, you did? No, I, I was I was busting do. your balls. No, you I no because Crucy made sure that you guys. Do you guys? You yeah. Know this. You guys did. Get, I do. I did. Yeah. I okay, didn't. Well, oh, they get they get monthly. They get monthly. Right. Okay, yeah. you guys will have them in your next DC. Yeah, oh, I had oh I that's awesome. <laughs> yep. Okay. See, I, I, I was giving I, you crap, and now I feel bad. I, no, Zach I got, saved your I ass got again. Copies. I got copies for everyone, and Zach saw me with them, and he's like, "Oh, dude, are those for are those for um, Vince and and David and Wood?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh, they're they're in their box for this month." Mm-hmm. I was like, "All right, thank you." You demand, so, Zach. I thought of you, but Zach took care of you. Nice. Dude, did you have to return them? <laughs> well, Go actually, back no, to Jim Rugg. Jim, Jim, Jim gave, gave them to me to give to you. Oh, me. that would be so awesome Aww. if you actually bought you them. You were being nice to us. Look at that. Every one of yeah. us was being nice to us. I yeah, know. He was, Jim was ridiculously nice, which we will get to that. But, uh, David, <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, Gallo Family Twin Valley Cabernet Sauvignon from, Flo- uh, from Florida, from California. Oh, All right. Thank you for your wine, California. It's getting it's a little nice. warm around here for the red wine. I'm it is. You. It is. It is. Uh, Ninety-four I'm have to here. It's chilly next week. Ninety-four. Yeah. yeah, it's mm-hmm. freaking hot. It's, it's, it's crazy. That's balls hot. Um, oh, so, what, so, so, what you, so what are you drinking to uh, um, quench your thirst there? Well, in honor of our DC guy returning to the show this week, I figured I would uh, drink a DC themed drink. So uh, I'm having Big a glass green of crap. <laughs> oh, oh, damn. Dude, you're already in like enough trouble. Oh, <laughs> like because I was going to be all fucking nice and shit on this. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Big old demon right, mug of poop. Back in. Let's bring it back in. I am drinking a Green Lantern. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> and what is in a Green Lantern? I'm imagining some cream de met in there somewhere. No, no, no. Close though. Close though. Uh, it's it's uh, effectively at its roots is a screwdriver. So you got orange juice and vodka, mm-hmm. and then you put some Midori melon liqueur in it, which gives go. it the color. And then uh, a little bit of uh, Sprite or Seven Up or some kind of that just to top it off to you know make it a little more uh, soothing. So yeah, oh, that sounds really tasty. It is very good. It does. Hmm. That does sound good. That's a mm-hmm. Green Lantern, man. That's mm-hmm. so. You hit us with the hammer of Thor, and now some Green Lantern. This is and you're, raising the, you're raising the bar here, Jason. And, thank, and I actually had some compliments on uh, on the Mjolnir drink. Nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> at, at some say people, I think someone asked for it at the bar. And, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. At, that's asked, awesome. Asked for hammer of Thor, and, uh, and awesome. this is, they were very glad to have a comic themed drink. All right, now I've been I've been wanting to uh, to tell people about this for about three weeks now, and then I was I was gone for an episode. Then I was so sick that I couldn't drink last week. Which, if you know me, that's fucking sick. Yeah, um, yes. um, I have unheard abs- of. I have pretty much. I have absolutely fallen in love with Flemish sour ales, and um, these are uh, these are basically uh, oak aged uh, Belgian ales that are. Um, uh, they use like a, a wine yeast in them, mm-hmm. and they're. It's hard to describe and make it sound palatable, but just take my. <laughs> I I I love them. Section with every. It is um, um the the nose on it. It's it's a lot of fruit and vinegar. Okay, which sounds really weird, but there's 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 a lot of fruitiness to it. But it, it is a soured beer, and so you're gonna you're gonna pick up a lot of vinegar in the whenever whenever you whenever you smell this beer and whenever you taste it as well. And it's it's one of those that the first time you have it, 
you might not. You probably won't like it, but the second time you start to acquire a taste for it and it just gets better and better and better and it is it's an it's an incredibly refreshing beer um because it does it it, it has it has some really nice um fruit bite to it and it, if you serve it cold it's it's just it's just an amazingly refreshing beer because it's mm. got that that sourness so it's almost like a lemonade but in 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 just like the sourness of it but it's an ale and it's it's a it's a belgian Sounds damn ale. good it is absolutely delicious it takes a couple times to get used to it but the one that i'm drinking the one i've really um come to enjoy a lot is called the monk's cafe flemish sour ale and if you go into like a real beer drinkers bar you know it's going to have a lot of craft beers and that kind of stuff you go in and just ask them for a flemish sour ale and uh and the bartender you know this is this is one that that you can get you know a, a couple different people will will sit around and rave about this stuff but not it's it's not a beer for everyone but i am mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely loving them right now so that's my that's my drink for tonight sounds nice. expensive mm-hmm. is it expensive um it can be um this is um um you can buy what like the the leader bottles and those are going to be about 10 bucks that's not so bad so um i bought a i bought a a four pack for like nine dollars so that's yeah yeah i mean it's it's yeah it's it's expensive but it's not you know not take out a loan expensive so so there you go can i try and tell you guys about summit city oh definitely well yeah Uh, you could Oh huh? Yeah. Is that okay? I was <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for oh. it. Right. You're, you're you're rusty. You're dragging us down. Come on, get I it know. back. I'm, I'm still I'm still getting over my crap. Okay, so first of all, Summit City was amazing, and um, That's what uh, I, heard. I I think I had con- an almost unique perspective of it because of of Windy City and kind of what it took to put that on. Even though I mean they did this in in Fort Wayne, which was I think easier in some respects and harder in others. First of all, the um, um, the facility that they had at the Grand Wayne Center, I'm really jealous. I wish that we could pick it up and put it in Chicago. Phenomenal, phenomenal uh, convention center for the size show that that mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, that Summit City was. It's attached to a, a Hilton Hotel, great parking. It was everything that they needed. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, Zach, I'm getting the uh, impression that you have notes written. No, no, but oh. I do have like crap stacked up around me um, <laughs> that I came back with. Um, Zach and the entire DCBS team did an amazing job of organizing this, and we've gone over the guest list and 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 all of that. But um, you know, we, we rolled in uh, we rolled in Friday, and they had their pre party, but uh, the Blackhawks were playing that night, and Jeffrey Brown is. I, I traveled down with Jeffrey Brown and Hillary Barda and uh, and Jeff and I are both big hockey fans and so we went and watched the hockey game instead because we knew we were going to see everyone the next day um, and we got there uh pretty early that morning before before the opening uh just kind of talking with folks and you know once again it, it always amazes me uh especially on the creator side how many people listen to the show so if if you were at summit city and your creator and you're listening to the show thank you because a lot of you guys talked to me and, and told me that you really enjoy the show so it means a lot but um um uh, from the creator side jim rug is just the freaking man i, I just talking to him and 
um, you know, just hearing his thoughts on comics, he's really open about wanting to know what other people, you know, think about what's going on. And we were talking about the iPad, and digital comics, and just all of this stuff. But but he loves the show and and was really thankful. And I swear to God, I, I probably talked to him for like 45 minutes at his table throughout the day. Every time I ended up over at his table chit-chatting with him, someone mm-hmm. came up with either a copy of Afro or or bought a copy of Aphrodisiac or Street Angel and I didn't even know I was standing there, basically, and told him that they had heard about it on, on 11 o'clock. Wow. And it was, it, was really, it was really cool. And, That's awesome. And, yeah, and... and Jim was just like, you know, here, take books. And I was like, let me pay you for books. And he's like, no, you guys have sold a ton of a ton of books for me. And so I felt so guilty that he was giving me all these these books that I had to buy a, a page of original art. Which I saw that. So, nice. so awesome. It is, uh, uh, and Vince helped me out with this. It is from Cold Heat Special Number 4. Exactly. Which I have. It's it's now. I I, um, I didn't want to fold it up. It's this awesome uh, like newspaper um, newspaper size comic strip from mm-hmm. uh, from Picture Box, and I'm keeping it with the original art in my closet right now until I get it framed. But it was uh, it was really a nice nice piece of uh, of art, and it was uh, uh, the least I could do for Jim because he was awesome. Sorry, I had to cough there. From the other dimension. <laughs> at least, at least I turned the mute button on. Uh, Tom Scioli was there, and you know another all these great Pittsburgh guys. So Tom Scioli and Dave Wachter too. Oh. Um, uh, this great, this great group of of artists from Pittsburgh, and apparently that art scene is really starting to uh, uh, to do some neat stuff there. But uh, Tom Scioli from from Godland um, was awesome to talk to, and uh, I got. Um, Every time that Mark Beatty goes to a convention or knows someone that's going to a convention, he asked for uh, a Captain America commission, 11 by 17. And so um, uh, I stopped by Dark Tower on the on the way out on Friday. He's like, "Oh yeah, give me a, give me a Cap commission." And so he gave me some money, and uh, and I was thinking over the guest list, and I was like, "Oh, Scioli, it, it, he'd be able to do an awesome, you know, Kirby S Cap." And uh, and sure enough, he did uh, he did an 11 by 17 pencils only, but uh, just an awesome awesome cap and i actually posted that on the forum so you guys have you guys have seen it as well um gosh um you know i'm gonna forget people um as i as i talk about the convention so apologies in advance but you know ryan stegman and norton of course and um norton uh, has been absolutely killing it with those lost cartoons Oh yeah! Totally. Have you, have you totally. seen them? The they Dharma Shark was hilarious. They are yeah. so good. I mean, I hope that somebody picks those up for something associated with the show. Maybe you never know. Maybe extras on the DVD or some kind of gallery. That'd be great because they're funny as hell. Um, uh, Mike got an awesome present from uh, Mr. Santa Claus himself, Lance Kaiser. Did you guys see that? No. Uh, uh, mm. On the Crankcast, Mike had talked about how he always uh like eight year old Mike always wanted a uh um a Viper Pilots um jacket from Oh I saw yeah Black, oh yeah 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 like the original uh BSG and I guess Lance had one and dug it out and gave it to Mike. So Mike is now the proud owner of a Battlestar Galactica um f- uh Viper Pilot jacket. And it's right. uh, it was awesome. I'm, I'm convinced now that Lance is Santa Claus. If you're listening, Lamp, I've always wanted just a really, really big bag of money. Mm. <laughs> I, I would like uh, Kristen Bell, if you can oh, swing it. Or a big bag of money. 
No, Either one I would rather Kristen Bell. <laughs> okay, I'd rather Kristen Bell. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, um, uh, John Colzar uh, and Andy Jewett, the uh, part of the, uh, the the South Bend Mafia. I uh, got John's John's books, several of John's books, and I got to go through all those. Uh, and uh, and Andy was awesome as always. Oh gosh, I'm gonna you know Sean from PKD Media. I had so much fun hanging out with him and and just ripping on stuff and laughing about stuff. It was it was it was a lot of fun. I mean I'm I, I can't go on about the show because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna forget people. But there's one thing that I did pick up and I started going through last night that um, of ev- of everyone Vince, you have to get this and. Um, okay. uh, on the on the way um, uh, leaving um, on Sunday morning, um, uh, Jeffrey Brown was like, "Hey, yeah, here, have one of my have one of my process um, packets." And I was like, "Huh? This is uh, this is something that that uh, Jeff is is selling at conventions and conventions only." And it all came out of um, people coming up to him and saying, "You know, how do you make your comics?" Asking him about his process, and so he made a mini comic called "Process: How I Make My Comics" by Jeffrey Brown, and it is an amazing mini comic that basically goes step by step in how he cartoons and how he comes up with this stuff. But he took it like this huge step forward and he's like into you know collectibles and 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 little you know just the the little things that go into the process he uh he was thinking a lot about this and i guess whenever he whenever he does a comic he just accumulates a ton of stuff you know sketches and 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 notes and and all and all sorts of of stuff you know start and stop stuff that he abandons ideas and 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 Mm -hmm. really just creates like mountains and mountains of stuff and it's like you know wouldn't it be neat if in my process mini comic i put all this in an envelope and and actually gave people um a really good idea of exactly what you know what I do when I'm when I'm making a comic, and so this mini comic comes in uh, comes in an envelope, and I'll read off the front of it. Uh, it says this envelope contains one 24-page mini comic about uh, my working methods for for making comics, uh, a selection of actual process artifacts such as notes, scripts, lists. Sketches, doodles, drawings, unfinished or unused comics pages, thumbnails, layouts, and or other original art scraps. And each one of them is is personalized. And none of this is prefabbed. It's it's all like actual stuff. And like mine had uh, an unfinished, unused panels from an X-Men story, a uh, page of text for a sweetest translation of Pregnant Pause, uh, uh, abandoned note and a, and a doodle, uh, Planet Explorer's concept sketch for uh, Adler Planetarium, which was uh, a job that he was working on, a uh, thumbnail sketch for uh, Paul is Undead book illustration, notes for uh, a David Bazan comic interview for Filter Magazine, mm. uh, a page crap. of 
a page of script from uh, uh, Incredible ChangeBots 2. Uh, now, this is all original stuff. It's not like mass-produced. They're all like originals. Said, it's all original. It's not prefabbed at all. Uh, unused panels from childhood. Um, uh, cedar dinner story. <laughs> uh, printer's proof pages from cat postcard and undeleted scenes. So that's the only stuff that, that isn't like hand-drawn or hand-written by him are these printer-proof pages. Everything else is like from his desk. Wow. Is that uh, amazing or what? what that sounds what incredible. Is, about 25 yes. 30 bucks what does he charge for that i you know he gave this to me oh, and so nice. I, don't, I don't i don't know <laughs> what what he charges for him i um, gotta get hooked I, up on one of those he, it, i will i will do my best the next time i see him because uh vince you you i mean jason and, and david you guys would would love this but i just open this up and just the process of mm -hmm. of making this art i was just like vince will lose his shit whenever he sees this it I is would. It is. It's. It's absolutely amazing. So, um, if you guys want, because I, I, I really don't want to um, bogart the entire episode. Um, we can come back to some Summit City stuff in a cool. little bit. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, so, well, I mean, it was. It sounds like it was a great time. I know on Twitter, I was actually hoping to hear more, but you guys were probably all busy partying, so I, I can understand uh, you not tweeting. But I was like longing for the tweets and the, uh, the, the updates as to what you guys were doing. But it sounded like you guys had a hell of a good time. It was it was a it was a hell of a good time, and uh, uh, I was a little worried about you know the nightlife of Fort Wayne. Whenever we got there on Friday night, it was a little rough getting started. But then once we had Mr. Creasy um, taking taking the reins on everything, Saturday night was uh, was a heck of a lot of fun, mm -hmm. and uh, and we did not want for beer nor good times. And uh, yeah, yeah, I got uh, well, I'll just admit on Saturday I, I got fucking blind drunk. It was awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, well. Why don't you think about um, more things that happen yes. while we? And thank you very much for that wonderful con report, Brenda Vaccaro. You don't get. See, David got it. Thank yeah, you, David. I don't get it either. You don't know Brenda just, Vaccaro. He just inserted a voicemail, right? No. <laughs> what? Brent, Brenda Vaccaro, the Tampax woman. Oh, this is Brenda Vaccaro. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, oh, you saying because of his voice? Yeah. Ah. Uh, yes. Okay. I guess I'm, I'm going for more of a Ronnie Deutsch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who is a man? Who yeah. is a man? Yeah. Hey, this is Daryl from the forums. I, I want to know how the fuck. Okay, I'm not even going to give away spoilers, but when I read JMS's run of Thor, I heard plainly that Loki said he wanted to destroy Asgard to get revenge on his father. Did anybody else read that? So then I go back to Siege 4 and ask, how is this the great comic that's supposed to be? When Did anybody else read it? Did the editors read JMS's run? Because I'm not understanding it. And if Thor can kick Sentry's ass in Siege 4, why he couldn't kick his ass in Siege 1, Issue 1? That just makes or Siege or Issue 2. But does that make any fucking... I know Marvel is the greatest... Um, company and all that, and DC would have messed it up if they did it. But explain to me how the fuck that happened, and tell me how that's the greatest book I've ever read, because I don't see it. I, I have to give props to Tiki because he called it, but I didn't. I still didn't buy it. But he was right about that DC Universe Legacies thing uh -huh. that, that's drawn by uh, Joe Kubert. 
and uh-huh. someone else I didn't. It was it uh, J. H. Williams, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think I did look through it today at the shop, and he's right. It is a beautiful book. Oh, was book. it Jones? J. G. Jones. J. G. Jones. Jones. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I looked through it. It's it's stunning, but I I. I Still, it wasn't enough to get me to buy it. Maybe in the trip, yeah, almost. But the 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 Kubert story was fantastic. I I I really focused on that, uh, and it was great. But I I I didn't buy it. But yeah, Tiki, you were right. So there you go. I just wanted to throw that out there because he says, you know, and I don't want to be a downer on DC. They do do good stuff, and that was one. I thought it was terrific. Yeah. All right, somebody pick up the reins. Did you guys read your free comic book day comics yet, or did you not get them? What'd you read? I got through most of them. Um, well, I got, you know, I got the, because DCBS being the badasses that they are, they let us pick five. Yep. So, uh, I got, um, I got the Green Hornet, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, uh, the best, the best, the less <laughs> said, the better. I didn't care for it too much. Uh, wow. I honestly didn't care for the story. I didn't care for the story <laughs> earlier, so, um, we'll move on. Um, the one you I enjoyed the most was, go ahead. You hate Dynamite's books, don't you? It seems like apparently you know, hate I love, them. I love the Dynamite is his DC. No, I love the boys, but please tell me you're reading Battlefields. I do. Well, I have the hardcover. I read the hardcover. I didn't okay. buy it. Issues, but um, the one I enjoyed the most was the uh, uh, the stuff of legend. Yeah, they uh, they put out a. It was actually a flip book. There was I actually didn't read the other half of the. It was called uh, City of Bones, but the uh, there was a story in there that sort of serves as a transition between the end of the first. Stuff of Legend miniseries and the beginning of the uh, new one, which was solicited uh, last month. Thought that was terrific. Um, for those that, that aren't familiar with Stuff of Legend, it's it's terrific. We talked about it some time ago, um, but uh, it's written by Mark Rake and Brian Smith, and um, uh, it's it's great. It's like you know, it's uh, it's basically children's toys uh, come to life and uh, go into a closet where they get to a magical land to try and rescue their their owner who has been kidnapped by the boogeyman. So this kind of there was a huge battle at the end of the first series, and this takes place as they're kind of looking their wounds and preparing for the the next stage of the journey. So I thought that was great. Uh, Red War of the, uh, got War of the Superman number zero, um, which was fine. Um, I, I had already read the subsequent um, issue uh, that came out, so I, I, it kind of you know it was a little bit anticlimactic because I'd already read the first issue, so I. I it kind of rehashed some stuff, so that, but that's my own fault for not reading. What, it. What's the setup on that? Who are the Supermen, and why are they at war? I mean, I, I can assume Superman's involved, but what's the deal? Well, you know, they, 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 there's another planet that you know, right, that they've been living on for the last year or right. so. Um, and new Krypton, Superman, right? New Krypton, and Superman has been there working as as a uh, part of the military guild under Zod, and um, that all culminates in a way I don't want to give away, but but this transitions to the new mini which is the the uh the war and and basically it's 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 effectively superman um it, it's superman versus zod and everybody else from new krypton who are pissed at earth for a reason i don't want to give away but they're really pissed at earth and they want to attack earth um and this this book kind of transitions from them why they're pissed to them heading getting ready to head toward earth and have a battle yeah. um so it was uh it was by Gates and James Robinson and Eddie Barrows did the pencils. It was I wish they had got I wish they had gotten there about four months ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's gone on about four months too long. It's yeah. I, 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 yeah, got, I, a, I got kinda I ran out of gas on me. And I'm I've got them all. I need to ca- I'm actually probably 
a month and a half behind, and whenever mm-hmm. that happens, I'm like, yeah, okay, something, you know, they stretched that too long. But mm-hmm. eh, we'll see. Now, I'll one one I'd be curious, I don't know if you guys have read this um, or if you're interested, but I picked up the uh, the Dr. Solar, Man of the Atom, and Magnus Robot fighter. Oh, it was uh, good. It was good. Did you not uh, like it? Didn't care for it, to be with you. Really? I thought it was fun. Uh, I didn't care for Dennis Calero's art on the Doctor Solar at all, uh, which it, it just didn't work for me. Uh, he did the, the he did the, he did everything the coloring as well. Um, he did the, um, it, it just was very Spartan to me, um, and, and it just looked like we the bodies the bodies were were kind of just pasted into different random scenes. It looked like there was a lot of poser used. It just for me it was a little too stiff. Um, I, I have to I have to agree with the boy. All right. There you go. One, one go. would think that Jim Shooter taking the reins of Solar would warrant, um, and, and not to to poop on Calero, but a more high caliber artist on the book. Uh-huh. It it just it, well, it it seems lukewarm to me from mm-hmm. what I've seen. I didn't get the issue yet, but I did see preview pages. It's not bad. It's just it's not stunning. And Jim Shooter on yeah. Solar, the return should be stunning. It should. It mm-hmm. should sell itself. I'll tell you what, though. It, to be fair to the book, uh, I thought the Bill Reinhold did the art in the Magnus side, of and course. I thought that looked terrific. I really yeah, thought that I've, looked nice. I've still. seen those two, and they look great. Yeah, so so I would read, like I know this is a, to get get us ready for the, the new series that are all being launched, and um, I'm definitely going to try out the Magnus. I don't know if Reinhold is going to be the ongoing artist. I hope so, because I really do dig that style. Um, He's great. So I, yeah, so I'll give him a try. So that was sort of 50-50. Yeah, it, and then, and he's in tune with the Valiant stuff, though. Reinhold yeah. looks like he could have worked on a Valiant book back mm-hmm, in the day. Mm-hmm. Bill, Bill Reinhold is such an underrated artist. I, think he, I agree. I think, he got, I think he got pigeonholed as being an inker for, mm-hmm. for so long. But you know, Bill, he's a freaking monster on pencils uh-huh. if they let He really him. is. Yeah. He has uh, a, an unbelievable Badger. command of anatomy, too. Yeah. I, the, the, the splash page with... Um, Magnus and the chick in the bed. I didn't read it because I don't want to be spoiled, but I've, I've seen the panel. That's really yeah. nice. It's yeah. so dynamic. It's a great mm-hmm. panel. Yeah, he's, got, he's so the, uh, quietly good. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. The, the last one, which was probably no surprise, my favorite, um, uh, it was G.I. Joe 155 and a half. <laughs> Larry Hama back doing G.I. Joe right from where the last series left off. Uh, <laughs> art by uh, a, new, a guy I'm not familiar with, Augustin Padilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this book, number one, it was it was a big, thick book. It had to be more than twenty-two pages. I didn't count the pages, but um, Padilla's got he, he draws GI Joe characters the way I like to see them. I mean, they they look like they're straight out of the cartoon, which to me is the way they should look. Um, it, it looks great. He draws a really hot Baroness, which is awesome. Um, yeah. This does pick up right in. I mean, it's it's Storm Shadow and Billy, and uh, it's uh-huh. just it was it was great. I mean, I haven't right. I, it's been whenever. The last time I read the ongoing G.I. Joe series was when it came out, so I don't know how many years ago that 155 issue came out, but it had to be, what, 15, 20 years ago? Uh, So this picks up right where it left off, and it is going to be an ongoing at IDW. But it was cool. Aside from the issue, which was a lot of fun, uh, it's got got different, uh, after the the story's done, it's got two of the uh, file cards, one for Billy and one for the Brainwave Scanner, which is awesome. Um, just like the toys had, and then it's got a it's got a letters column with Larry Hama. So uh, that was big for me. I love that. So I can't wait to uh, if if the quality of 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 the new ongoing by Hama is is up to with this, and the and the art is is high. I'm gonna it's gonna be right up there with with my favorite of the five IDW Joe series. Didn't you so. love the kitschy dialogue? I thought that was 
the best. Totally. Part. Well, again, yeah. it's like you know, Hama. Hama was at his best back then, and I know that that a lot of times things don't translate over time. But to me, this was exactly what I expected it to be. What I'd be curious about if if people didn't read the GI Joe series when it was coming out for Marvel. If anyone did pick this up because they've been doing the IDW stuff but weren't familiar with the Marvel stuff, I would love to hear what they think of it if they thought the dialogue was kitschy or it put them off or if this was dated. Because I, I liked it because it was nostalgic, but I sure. could definitely see where someone that's just more familiar with the modern vernacular maybe wasn't into it. So I'd love to hear from people that read it and weren't from, just to see what they thought of it. So, Hey, to, uh, to digress real, real oh, quickly Oh, don't here. digress because I wanted to no. sag real, real quick. But you go ahead, go ahead. I'll just pick it up. Rock, right. paper, scissor. Um, <laughs> what do you got? Hacksaw. No. <laughs> go did you read? Did you read Hearts and Minds this week? I was. That's what I was going to say again. Yeah, see, see, see? I one mind. Yeah, you did <laughs> because you're on the same page. There we go. So we can all talk about it. Yeah. How'd you guys like it? Um, <laughs> a, a, as as a character study, I think it works very well. If you're expecting yeah. complete stories. You're not going to be satisfied. I was, I was, now this is maybe unfair. I was expecting to be blown away and I was mildly entertained. Yeah. Be, you know, I, let, let's do the setup. There's two stories in the issue for those interested. Right. The first is uh, Major Blood, two Ds, by Howard Chaikin uh, and someone named Abertov on colors. And the second story is a look at Spirit. So they're doing. Uh, a, by a Cobra Antonio character Puso, who did the right. awesome Cobra G.I. Joe Cobra one shot and, and David guess who colored the uh, Fuso story sorry, I'm sorry Marta is Marta is standing outside of my room right now reenacting a scene from Jersey Licious that I told Wood I was going to make fun of him for so sorry oh boy touchy subject uh, <laughs> David Wood. guess who colored it I no longer have Marta in my heart She's Laverne list. Kinzierski. Oh, Get out of here. <laughs> yes. Holy See, we're talking shit. about comics. Laverne Kinzierski. Yes. Wow. But, uh, Tell so, me why so, I should know Laverne Kinzierski's name. Oh, long-time oh, colors. She, David. Oh, man. Yeah, she, she, she's colored a lot of your older Marvel books, Wood. Okay. You betcha. Uh, so you get, um, I think they're like eight to ten page stories. You get uh -huh. two, one Joe side, one on the on the Cobra side, yeah. and they're they're just basically. I mean, you can't get really in depth in in eight yeah. to ten pages. So they're for me who like last week when I was talking about the Baroness mm -hmm. and I had no idea she has multiple personality disorder. These are essential for me. But uh, like Jason, a longtime Joe reader, I'm, you must already know this. No, no, because this was, well, uh, to that point, no, because, you know, let's be honest, the, mo most of the vast Joe lore has not delved into character studies of their, of their lives on a personal level Can to that know, extent, man? so, uh, I mean, and to be fair, I didn't read the Marvel series in its entirety, like, when it was first coming out, and I definitely didn't read much of any of the devils do stuff after maybe the first year well, so the, the multiple personality kind of just sprung from from the movie well i i don't which came out first because it was in the gi joe cobra so i don't know which came first but oh but okay. you, see, i think it's a, you, it's a new thing though yeah i think it's a new it's thing. it's in cobra 2 but if i i had like i said i had no idea it's not in cobra, no, it's in cobra 1 one. sure it is remember but, but you they never confused. explicitly say that she was the baroness that's why no, i wasn't they, picking up on it well no but 
well, you didn't pick up on it, but remember that's what yeah, he said. Yeah, he banged. Yeah, Chuckles banged her, and you were like, "Oh, I didn't realize it was the same woman." I thought that was in the second. Well, now one. I know. Yeah, that's okay. Well, that's, no, that was the first one. Okay, but, the, the, but the the disorder is very apparent in the second series. Correct. Yeah, and oh, that's why I was a little bit confused. So, so I, as a big GI Joe fan, I enjoyed it for that, which was a kind of a look into Major Blood. Although, to be fair, and you know, I'm a big fan of Max Brooks, and I love World War Z. I, I thought the two stories were a smidge predictable in that even though we weren't privy to the secret lives of major blood and spirit if i were to have been asked hey give me a backstory for these guys i don't know that i wouldn't have come up with something pretty similar because that yeah. just seems like the logical way to go like let's a little spoilers not not a major spoiler but like you know making major blood a family man okay not really shocking because he's like the cold-blooded mercenary of cobra and then you know mm-hmm. making spirit Giving him a reason for being a tracker, aside from the fact that he's Native American. Okay, well that's kind of <laughs> cool. I dig that, but you know, I mean, at the end of the what, day, what he's still a really good tracker. S- sensory integration sensory, dysfunction. Yeah, like he's gets, right, right, right. But he, I'm he with you. Pulls in you, information from everywhere and processes right. it immediately, and it's thus they make him go out and live in a in the in the desert because he can be away from all the sensory overload of the city that right. he used to live in, which but is kind of cool. Yeah, to, but but to I think I agree with both of you in that. It was disappointing to me, to be honest. It's a, I don't know if it was intended to be a mini, but by the second solicit, it had become a mini. I don't know why they would need to do a mini other than they're having Max Brooks write it, so they want to make call attention yeah. to it. it. Essentially, this could have been G.I. Joe Origins, another issue. I mean, G.I. Joe right. Origins has been doing these one-shot origin issues in between the longer arcs, like the Baroness one by Temple Smith and the Snow Job one that you mentioned uh, in, in our forums this week. Um, it, this could have been an origin issue. I struggle with how a four-issue miniseries is going to have much of a story arc when the first issue basically just intros us to two characters. Um, and, they were, the, and they were totally unconnected, the story. Yeah, I'm guessing maybe the rest of the series will revolve around these two interacting with one another. And, but, oh, but no. Next, next issue is Firefly and Tripwire. Oh, oh, oh breaking up. Breaking up, buddy. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I honestly, I think it's going to be like two mini okay. origins for each one. And isn't that, you're right, isn't that the point of G.I. Joe? Pretty origins? much, yeah. yeah. So. The, the big thing for me, and and uh, I know my, my, my boy Jay Tomio is of a like mind with me, and he's, he's probably a much bigger fan of G.I. Joe than just about anybody, myself included. This was bad at Chicken. You know, we joke a lot about there being good shaking and bad shaking, and I got to be fair to him. A lot of the stuff he's done in the last few years, I have thought was quote unquote good shaking, but this did not work for me at all. Yeah, I don't know if I would go as far as to call it bad shaking. I, I, I don't think that's possible. It was kind of disconnected, uninterested, lackadaisical shaking, which mm-hmm. we've seen. But I mean, the the guy can draw, and and he could set up a story very well. It, like you know what the problem again not a problem you know what the most glaring thing about this story that i found kind of distasteful he's been relying on these friggin zipatone uh shades and textures is that what it is yeah i was going to say it was some kind of strange overlay well it's and not my non-artist self just was bothered by it but yeah it's not zipatone that's the old school name for mm-hmm. it they used to be these textures and dot patterns that were printed on peelable plastic sheets and you would use okay. an exacto knife and cut it out and paste it down on the board for when it was shot by the by the camera but if you look there's there's one telling aspect of this story that makes me uh know that shaken is working on a computer look at the panel where the guys are all lined up at the the, the soup line 
look at the mm-hmm. detail in the women scooping out the soup. There's no way he could get that on a board. That that mm-hmm. was drawn to at a different size and shrunk down. Look at the detail in the plates. Every line right. of the plates. So he's he's doing he's uh, if he's not working on a computer, he's scanning the art in and manipulating it on a computer and that's where he's dropping these these dot patterns and textures in. And it's the same thing that turned me off his Catwoman. Or not Catwoman, uh, Hawker, Hawkgirl. Hawk that that yeah. thing was loaded with textures. Every yeah. suit had, was herringbone. Every floor, every rug had a texture. Mm-hmm. Uh, every and it, after a while, it's just it's too much. It's overload. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, it's like a guy wearing a paisley suit and a and like a polka dot bow tie, and it's just like yeah. it's just too much. He doesn't have to do that, you know. Let the colorists yeah. get painterly. Let 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 them dab some some beautiful blends and transitions in there and let them work for it i could see maybe on the you know the 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 costumery of the indians Mm -hmm. maybe you know flash it up a little bit but there's there's texture freaking everywhere the bushes the the sky the smoke the shirts and ties and it's everywhere and it's just it's too much i feel like spirit in the second half of the story it's just like way too much information you know but yeah. again well, I, I, and i actually i i like the second story better from yeah, both accounts me too art, art me story. too me too yeah i agree i agree fuso is so working a little like a uh andy parks phil hester vibe to the second story did you get that like an andy pa- hester and parks art vibe a little bit mm-hmm. especially in the shadows on the 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 page mm-hmm. where they're walking through the desert it looks very much like the their work hmm. well Mm. I, just, I, guess, I, I, I think of Fuso on his own terms anymore. I was going to say, I, to me, I'm so familiar with Fuso from his other recent GI Joe stuff. To me, it looked just like more Fuso, but okay, I, it yeah. was great. I, I like that story. But uh, you mentioned the snow job issue of GI Joe Origins. It was mm-hmm. uh, number fifteen. I really enjoy Origins, and I think this was the absolute best issue of the entire run so far. Uh, it was quite good. It was I, quite good. I, I thought say. it was yeah. fantastic. Taking mm-hmm. Snow Job out of his element. Which is, uh, for those who don't know, he, he's, uh, very receptive to cold climates, hence the name Snow Job. And, uh, they, they take him out, he gets a call from Scarlet, and they transplant him into Venezuela because there's been, uh, assassination threats against the president, and he's sent down there to bodyguard him. But this, this Klaus Sherwinsky, this guy's really hot, uh, the, on the pencils. He's excellent. Um, he has a, a really neat way of, of balancing artfulness and action, which, yeah. you know, that's pretty hard to do to get nice and, and, uh, uh-huh. very gestural and, and, and loose with the line and still work within that, the action genre. But he pulled it off. Mm-hmm. I thought this issue was fantastic. I, I read it and then I went back and I just looked at the art for like, uh, at least 45 minutes to an hour, just nice. seeing, seeing how he did things. And I, and here's a good way to do textures like snow jobs. Uh, wears Arctic camo, and Chaikin would have had a field day with that. But this is all painted by the uh, color. Right. Uh, Klaus did the color, and he was assisted by Gunther Kippel. And uh, the colors are beautiful in this. Well, do you really know what nice. this? What? Uh, I actually had the chance to uh, to meet uh, meet him and uh, and actually see pages from the snow job issue at Cidos C- Idos. Where was I? Uh, I don't know. Elsewhere, I was actually out talking. I was over talking to Robert Atkins. And uh, you were and getting a tattoo, maybe, maybe, yes. And he came up to say hello to Robert and you know talk a little GI Joe, and then he introduced himself and um, and I I was not at the time familiar with his name, but he said um, you probably haven't heard of me, but I'm doing um, 
the issue of G.I. Joe Origins and Snow Job. In fact, there are some pages if you'd like to see them, because I was looking through Robert's book at the time, and I saw them, and I saw I, I knew that we were about to get some really nice-looking work. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I he and I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he's he's got some more issues coming up for them. I don't know if he's he, he's not doing them back-to-back, but I think the, they've got him doing some of the, the one-offs. So ah. um, he was a super nice guy, very nice. And did you notice on the bonus uh, sketch page they include, there's a uh, character study of Snow Job? And look behind him. He pissed his name in the snow. <laughs> it's really cool. So, so Klaus has a sense of humor, too. I thought this issue was brilliant. I would love to see uh, Sherwinsky on Origins every month. He's, he's that good. He's, he's really talented. You won't you get any argument from me. Yeah, it was yeah. A great. I mean, that's the, I, I'm pretty sure that's the first work I've ever seen from him, and, and it was it was quite nice. He did another issue of Origins, not he did? yeah, not the uh, Ripcord, or obviously he did the uh, Beachhead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, who's one of my favorite characters, actually? Yeah, okay. he did the Beachhead issue. So cool. I love him. Nice. nice. Keep going, Klaus. <laughs> Word. Yeah, David, don't be quiet on us. I uh, I read yeah, yeah, the yeah. first issue. Of, of a miniseries, uh, Girl Comics. Oh, oh. really? Which oh, okay. is an anthology which I was, I was a little thrown off at first because after you read the, um, the, the little, uh, intro story by, um, Colleen Coover written and, and drawn by Colleen Coover, that there's, it's a Nightcrawler story is the first one. And I, I, for some reason, I just thought mm. that the, all the stories were going to be with, Female characters, but it's it the the idea of the book is it, the, never mind that it's the title of of a 1950s Marvel comic, but it's the the gimmick, if you want to call it that, is is that all of these stories in here were written, drawn, illustrated, whatever you want to call it, by women. Nice. And um, is that comics with an X or or no, no, it's it's girls C O M I C S with a very cool Amanda Connor cover of She Hulk arm wrestling Iron Man. And I winning. saw that. It's nice. It's an awesome cover. She's pretty nice. good Spider Man too. Um, the the creators involved are Trina Robbins and and uh, Stephanie Pachima and and Amanda Connor of course and and Nikki Cook and. Um, there are two, oh, Laura Martin, there are two biographies in the first issue. One is of Flo Steinberg. Ooh. And another is by marvelous Marie Severin. Oh, underdog oh, yeah. Marie Severin. Vastly unappreciated. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was awesome. Yeah. Um, the, uh, every story in here. Underappreciated, mi- not on. Mi- uh, that's all right. I, you can edit it. Uh, Hell no. The I know the 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 um. What was neat was that the Stephanie Bushima story is about Venus. Uh, it's written by Trina Robbins, and it it kind of um. It surprised me a little bit because it, uh, it it's it's a story about a, a an agent of Atlas that's not written by Jeff Parker, but it's uh it, it's it's a cute little story about her. Trying to um, back in in like 1969, get back to Earth and and uh, it, she, she places a bet with um, with I want to say uh, Hercules, and she wants to get her old job back as an editor because back in the in the 50s when she was an editor at, at Beauty Magazine she just showed up and they gave her the job and now 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 they say she's she's a little too plump. To 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 <laughs> work for a beauty magazine and 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 she's she couldn't even be a model and 
and then it, it leads to uh, it doesn't I don't want to say it leads to her becoming a, an agent of Atlas but it you know, she stays on Earth for a while which which you could then it, it could then be implied that uh, shortly after this she meets um, Wu and company and and and, uh, and there you go so uh, there's a Punisher story. Uh, written by Valerie Dorazio, who I talked about writing the the butterfly one shot. There's a pretty funny um, Doctor Octopus story. There is, and Chris mentioned this artist on his last appearance on iFanboy, Emma Rios, who I believe she did what Young Allies, written by McKeever. She's also doing the uh, extra Firestar. Fire yep, she's doing oh, the okay. ex- extra and pages the, in uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, right, and she did the yeah, Doctor Strange miniseries. The Strange That's miniseries. right. That's right. So, okay, um, you hold your own against Bacalo. You got to be good. <laughs> she. It, this is great stuff. It's it's a it's a Jean Grey story where it it looks like it's it's called Headspace. It looks like it all takes place in her head. But uh, Wolverine is in it, and and, and nice Cyclops. And um, what I love about her art just just on these four five six pages in this little short story um you really don't even oh and it's written by devin grayson who i haven't heard from in i don't know how long i, I think the last thing she might have written it i i'm familiar with is maybe nightwing i mean it's just been years since i've seen anything with her name on it uh rios's artwork is just so um there's a lot of expression and, and instead of what when you might see other artists that Mouths don't open, but they've just got done saying like you know eight paragraphs worth of of, of, of a conversation, and everything is stiff. And it, <laughs> you know, it, there's there's just there's there's expression here with with the eyes and 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 just their mouths, and it, there's there's a lot going on in just her artwork. You really don't even need the words to to kind of feel what's going on here. And and the last panel is um is is Cyclops looking past Gene at Logan who is kind of given like Scott a thumbs up with, with his beer stein and Scott's pissed Logan's kind of smug or pleased with himself so basically Gene was just saying how you know no it's just you and it's always you it couldn't be anybody else and and she kind of looks back at Logan and it was it, it's it's just one of these moments where you know you can kind of understand why why Scott can be a dick sometimes and it's it's uh just the whole no, book. I, I, no, never, never, Scott. I, I just, I love the, um, you know, there's the, the first story is a Nightcrawl story, like I said. So if, if anybody misses him, you can read that. Is this? The, it sounds like it's extra sized. Is it? This, you know what? It, it very well could like my be. My junk. It's. Uh, oh. no, I said extra sized. Uh, <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I didn't. I didn't do a. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I did not do a. Um, Le petit junk. A a uh, a page count on this, but it's it it feels like it it might be um, more than thirty two pages. It sounds like there's a lot of content. Regardless, is, I mean, it, it, yeah, no, I mean, I I never mm-hmm. once. I mean, I got to the when I when I read the last story and I got to the character the the creator bios. I was just like, uh-huh. I, it didn't it did feel like well that was quick. There was right. nothing, uh but I, I I love the anthologies. It's it's a three issue miniseries. I, I recommend it. I I um, you know I. It's a Marvel book, so of course it'll be collected. I that this isn't something like I'd wait for the collection for this, just like Strange Tales. I'm glad they're coming back with, with the second volume for Strange Tales. I hope mm-hmm. they continue with this. So I'll I'll support this in the um cool. in the single issues. I mean, I'm not one for actually no. I'm sorry. It was uh 
it was four ninety nine. So I really hope it's extra sized. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> it is. The, I'm sure it is. Uh, you know, Marvel's going to give you your money. It's probably forty eight pages. What? It's probably yeah, forty eight. Yeah. Forty eight. What? <laughs> Wait for the what? Yeah, it'll probably be some Wikipedia entries in the back. Oh lord. Uh, you know, well, that's, David. You know, it's a tricky thing with uh, with that because I didn't order that, and and I I. I think it was because that was, you know, Marvel has this thing where they do like the thematic months, and that was right. the month where they were soliciting a lot of those female one shots, and then uh, they had the all the variant covers were women of Marvel. Right? Yeah, that's the whole. It year. just gets, it's like you've been once bitten twice shy. You know, I, I've tried over the years a lot of those, and, and it seems so recently like you you like it seems like they do that every couple months with the mutants right like they'll have these these little teen like sort of anthologies where they whatever the whether it be second coming or necro or you know x-men or yeah yeah we're, right. we're like just the the little eight page vignettes and sometimes they're okay but a lot of times they're basically like fifth week filler stuff and i remember reading this list of that and just just fearing like ah oh, it's just going to be one of those like throwaway little things where they just are trying to get some people work almost like a uh you know like the old days where they'd give someone like a tryout book but uh but you it sounds like it's a much better like it, your analogy to strange tales right it seems like it's much more of a finished accomplished product than what i was thinking it might be so that's good to hear yeah no i definitely i think so it's it's um i don't it's, it's like it's like strange tales it, it really yeah, is i mean it's i mean no, nothing in it has to be in continuity but i mean it's it's nice to know that it's i mean the punisher story it, it could take place in in you know frank's afternoon on his way to go taking care of barracuda or something it's not like you don't <laughs> right. you don't need to to, to to find out at what point in time that that is did this real did this story really happen so mm-hmm. It's... Uh, you can rectify Jason passing over that because I think this previews that came out today, uh, the trade is offered. I'm pretty sure I saw it in there. On it like a bonnet. Yep. Oh, for August, cool. Yeah, pretty sure. God damn! It seems like I just got through looking at the last previews. Jeez. I know. I it just a... put in my shoe. Quick month. Very quick month. Yeah. Hear this message. Press one. All tell customer six 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 six. Six seven six 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 has sent you a text to landline message, and am not usually very good at not being one of the better at anything really. <laughs> Thank you for using Altel's text to landline. Jason, you want to hit the tag team for the Pluto? Dude, let's do it. Let's do it. Are you gonna spoil Volume Two on me? Um, no. kind uh, of, no. maybe. Maybe. Okay. Uh, not so much a spoiler, but... He won't, but... but All i got to say before we get because I know that Vince probably has notes and is going to wax philosophically, but holy crap. Uh, all i got to say is... There's pictures of... Um, of... of uh, Urasawa and, uh, and Tezuka's uh, son in the... in, in the... Uh, uh, in the uh, first volume, you know? Like, just in the... Uh, in, into the, uh, the dust cover. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, like... You know, we go to a lot of cons, and and we've had the good fortune of getting to know lots of creators. And there really aren't too many creators, even like guys that I adore, like an Alan Davis, that I would be, uh, you know, gun shy or nervous to go up and say hello to or shake their hand. But I I think I would be a little starstruck if I got a chance to meet uh, Urasawa. I know, I really do. I know. M- my admiration for the man increases by the panel. It's, it's crazy. It's the dude is insane. It's I know. it's. It, it, it's just crazy. I, I if, do, do. Do you, you might know this? Do 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 artists like Urasawa because they're so prolific? Do they sell their art, or is that? I don't oh, know if in gee. Japan if they do that. 
I don't know. I, that's a uh, here's the the old standby. That's a really good question because I have absolutely no idea. I've I've never seen an original Urasawa for sale. Yeah, I mean, he might not need to. He probably makes so much bank because they probably sell millions of copies of this. I, mm. you know. He's a national treasure. But the thing that I was going to say when when you said, "Oh my God," it's it's unbelievable to me that this man could pull you into a story involving robots and make you fear for their well-being. The, mm-hmm. These these characters are so human-like, so real. Their their, their mannerisms and and the uh, their their emotions and their uh, hates and fears and loves it's it's insane how well fleshed out these characters are and at the heart they're they're robots which go which dovetails really nicely with the whole thematic thing about the uh the ai becoming so close to human that like dangerously close that's one of the themes of the book where um they've built these especially the seven they've built these robots so well and so close to mimicking or in the case of the seven actually feeling human emotions where there's it's almost as if a trigger is going to be flipped and uh something's going to happen because of that but let's not get ahead of ourselves chris volume two Yes. The, the mystery unfolds. It, it's it's really neat. We are given more insight into that 39th Central Asia War that was teased in the first volume. Mm-hmm. Especially, here's the important part, the events that lead up to it. Mm-hmm. it it's almost a situation um, analogous to Saddam and Iraq. The, you have a country, and there's great saber-rattling and, and these isolated military strikes on neighboring countries, uh, from this royal dynasty of Persia, which is under the leadership of King Darius the Fourteenth, and uh, a rival he looks ridiculous na- looking, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like uh, uh, like Al Sharpton, basically. <laughs> <laughs> this rival nation, uh, the United States of Thracia, President Alexander claims that Darius is amassing this huge mechanized robot army, one that could be construed as weapons of mass destruction. Definitely a no-no. So the United Nation uh, assembles a team of inspectors uh, called the Bora Survey Group, and they enter the country and they search for all these weapons of mass destruction, any, any kind of evidence of advanced robotics uh, with the intent to wage war and they don't find anything or or at least on the surface they don't find anything but but little by little urasawa reveals the nuances of this war it's almost like what happened in in iraq they someone claimed that they were uh, violating international law and amassing these weapons and they sent these guys in and there was a war anyway uh, so, and it's the Bora survey group that are being targeted by this mysterious entity. He's picking them off one by one. Why? Well, we won't get into that, but you'll, you'll, you'll find out why little by little. That's the thing. Urasawa is letting this story eke out very slowly. Am I right, Jason? Oh, absolutely. And, and it's weird because I don't, uh, I'm definitely not, uh, a huge, uh, hugely experienced in the, in the manga, but, uh, the few series I have read, it, it um, you know, these are long form stories that read really fast. I mean, I read mm-hmm. the second volume in basically, you know, one one day. I mean, my commute to and from work, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I don't know how many pages each volume is, but I mean, it's a hefty, you know, it, it reads a lot faster than a, 
you'd read like a trade of a conventional comic, but yet like there's tons of story. It's not like you're reading because it's it's sparse and there's not a lot of story. I mean, it's just go. It's just so action packed and well paced that you just you just fly through it. You just it's a page turner in in the yeah. truest sense. And and uh, Urasawa is so ballsy. Uh, although he appeared on the last page of the first volume, book two is the first where uh, Tetsuan Adam, aka Astro Boy, takes the stage. So yeah. that's pretty bold to conceive a, a reimagining of arguably the most beloved creation of Japan's, arguably again, most beloved manga crea- creator, and hold him in reserve for 200 pages or more. Like, keep that guy on the sidelines, and then, eh, you know, volume two, we'll bring Adam in. That's right. That's incredibly ballsy, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. uh, Volume 2 also introduces this mega-popular gr- gladiator robot named Hercules, who ranks with Adam, and and I figured out how to spell, how to pronounce the inspector's name. I horribly mangled it last time. I was calling, it, I was calling his name Jessic. It's mm-hmm. not. It's, it's, let me try and get this right. Gesicht. Gesicht. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And tch, what, did I, what did I know? Uh, mm-hmm. Adam ranks up there with uh, uh, Hercules ranks up there with Adam and Gesicht as one and of the most Brando and North Number Two and Epsilon, and, uh, who we meet. Who's the one that got three. killed in, the, in the, uh, the the first one that gets killed? The um, in the first the, the Ranger one. Oh, um, Mont Blanc. Yeah, Mont Blanc. Yeah. So uh, there's these seven extremely advanced. Robots, and they're also being targeted by this mysterious Pluto. We have no idea yet who he is. There's a clue in Volume 4. I won't reveal it. And when Urasawa draws him, it is the most maniacal, demonic thing you've seen in a long time. And he focuses on the eyes. Jason, did you see the eyes? Mm-hmm. Just bristling with hatred. And he and he gets it in... in Every time, it's stunning. Yeah, this this guy. You know what's skill. awesome? My two favorite moments of the second series, and again, I'm not giving away any major plot points. So those concerned about spoilers, Chris included, don't worry. Um, when they're talking about uh, the uh, the serial killer robot, um, not the serial killer, but the killer robot. What's his name? Um, 1942, uh, something 1942. You know the one, the one they have incarcerated. Yeah, yeah, yeah and 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 and, uh, and Adam. That's one. Adam is trying to figure out what it is about him that allowed him to kill because for those that don't know what the series there's a these robots are part of everyday life and they're integrated and they're almost basically they have independence now but they have uh they have embedded in their programming that they cannot hurt humans um just like asimov but, right so the only so far in the series we've been introduced to one robot that's in a maximum security prison that actually did kill a human once a long time ago and I'm sure his story unfolds as the series goes on, but you don't know how or why he was able to kill kill a human. And Tetsuan Adam, who you know is Astro Boy, is talking to a scientist and like, well, what what's wrong with with him? You know, why why was he why did he kill a human? And the scientist says, well, there's nothing wrong with him. That's the point. And he said, I don't understand. And he's like, well, he's too perfect. He's like a right. human. And that's the point. It's like to be a, he he's the most human robot that there is. Ergo, he's able to kill. Right, and it's like that blew my mind. And then the other thing, which is a visual thing, is when um, Brando goes into his suit, mm-hmm. and you're you know you're very you're very familiar, even as a as a gaijin, as it were. It doesn't read a lot of manga. I'm very familiar with the concept of the mecha, you know, which is like humanoid gets into a big giant robotic battle suit and kicks ass. And you think that Brando and Hercules are kind of like that. You know, they're robots, but you think they have these giant battle suits, which is cool. But then 
Brando goes to get into his, and it's like, not that he climbs into it, but that he freaking takes his head and his heart out of his body, his human-looking body, and goes into this battle suit. Like, becomes yep. a, it's, it was a visual cue that just was awesome, because I was that's like, very, whoa, dude, that's not all what I expected. That's cool. That's very symbolic, you know? isn't it? Yeah, and you, then his like, human have, body just slumps to the ground like it's dead. It's awesome. Yep. You, you have the emotion and the intellect. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm, heart and mind that that's really neat the 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 scene that got me was early on when Gesicht is meeting with adam and he reluctantly shares his memory chip with him mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm. to get him up to snuff on, on the case and and uh all the data that he amassed to date and uh he's talking to adam and 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 you could tell he's processing the information and adam just says excuse me i have to go to the bathroom and the kid Closes the door with his, the bathroom door with his back to it and just mm-hmm. cries and yeah. just the the look on the kid's face like he knows something that he knows it's not going to end well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just incredible the skill of this Urasawa, he, impeccable draftsmanship. The, the the nuances in the characters' faces are unbelievably well done. It's true. So do you think? I mean, I know that in Japan they do have somewhat of a studio system. I mean, do you do you presume that there are many people working under him to make these books? I would hope not, but the level I, I would, of the I would like now, to I don't think know that it's a singular vision. Do you know what pace these came out? No. I don't, but I, I know there was some time between volumes, which, okay. I mean, that's just how it works. I, I don't know the, the length of time. It could be months. It could be a year. I have no idea. But I really, I would assume that it's all Urasawa because this is a pretty prestigious project. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're retelling and updating Tezuka. You, but you isn't there a culture? I always thought that there was a cultural difference in Japan where it was totally reasonable and acceptable to have a studio helping you like it was more akin to Whereas, like Steve, when you say it's a Steven Soderbergh film, it's understood that there are you know eighty other people working on the film, but Soderbergh's the the director. Ergo, it's his vision, and it's the same with this that he has people that are helping him compile the book, and he puts the the, the thing together and the finishing touches. But I could be wrong. I mean, I'm sure someone like Julian or some other heavy manga person could jump. Yeah, chime let's in. investigate that. I, yeah. I, I'm very curious to know. Mm-hmm. Um, in volume three. Not to I will not spoil it because this is a very important story. Uh, we meet Epsilon. Another of the seven robots. And he has a particularly interesting character trait. Won't say why. You, you just need to read it. But mm-hmm. right now, uh, Jason, you read up to volume two. Chris, you only read the first one. Only read the first one. Okay, so you can't even hazard a, to guess uh, who do you think no. is behind this. All right, then I won't, I won't give you mine because just in case it comes true. Okay. How about but, the teddy bear too? What's that about? <laughs> crazy right it, it's very it's, seven? it's very disturbing no no the, the no? if it maybe if there's eight maybe but uh oh, as far as okay. the seven go they've listed them and uh oh they have yep uh mont blanc okay Bra- brando okay north, north number four. north hmm. number two uh astro hercules uh, hercules brando Gesicht. and gesicht okay and oh i'm sorry epsilon and epsilon brando. Yeah, okay. yeah so that's seven Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that really stuns me is uh, Urasawa's ability to render characters uh, as believably as possible with the emotions and the, the body language. But then he can go and switch gears and do a cityscape or a landscape like nobody's business. It's so convincingly real, like they show the... Uh, 
the Central Asian countries and and the Persia, and mm -hmm. he he updates this Persian architecture like the tropes, yeah, like the dome, yeah. the domed mosque, it's like the Taj Mahal. Yeah, in, and, and 2050, right? Yeah, tapered pillars and minarets. It's like a cyber Persian architecture of the future mm -hmm. that just mm -hmm. is so convincing. It's like he has a yep. window into the future and he can see how these buildings are going to look if they yep. had this natural progression. It's stunning. It's like well, that, again, I don't know if because it's modern times if he uses any kind of computer aid, but I will say that, and we've I talked about it. him many times, but but uh, Tezuka, if people haven't read Akira, when you do read Akira, you'll see these hyper-detailed, realistic-looking helicopters and vehicles and buildings and cityscapes, and I could see someone reading that today and thinking, almost nonplussed about it, just thinking he pulled it in from the internet, but people need to understand with Tezuka, and I believe with Urasawa, it's drawn by hand. Yep. It yep. looks like it's computer generated because it's so detailed, but they basically take photographs and architectural diagrams and they draw these things by hand to spec. And it's yep. it's that's why I say the amount of work that like Tezuka put into Akira, I mean, a page of some of the stuff he did in Akira would have taken many artists today three months to draw. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it's crazy the detail they have in this or, stuff. Or it would take Chuck Austin maybe ten minutes. Do you remember War Machine? Chuck Austin's comic? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so Pluto, it's miracle growth for the mind. There is so much on which to chew in this. And it's all themes taken from um, Tezuka's original Astro Boy. I was at Toys R Us this weekend buying uh, Mario Galaxy, Galaxy 2. Mm -hmm. and, and they had a, a cheapy bin of DVDs. And what do you know? It's synchronicity. Astro Boy? The first volume of Astro Boy, the originals. Oh, and, not the movie that came out last year? No, no, no. The the, the cartoons. The mm -hmm. Tezuka-drawn cartoons. And a lot of the themes in this reimagining are in those original cartoons. There's an anti-robot group that have hoods like the Klan. You're going to see that coming up in Pluto. It's it's Ooh. very, very faithful to the original. So, yeah, get Pluto. It's a no-brainer. If you're scared of manga, this is the one that's going to break the ice. It's totally, so damn totally. good. This is, yeah... I would go as far to say it is the thing that is thrilling me most this month. <laughs> Put it this way. I am crushingly sad that I don't have the other six volumes sitting here ready to read. Me too. I've been trying to get a, get the jump on them and pick them up whenever I can. Yeah. It's hard to wait. I want to read it all right now. Mr. Neesman, this is Frank from Boston. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that I am honored that you would put my call on your final show uh, regarding that podcast. Great bunch of guys. Uh, sounds a lot like the chuckleheads I hang out with around here. Uh, best of luck to you guys. Hope, uh, hope everything works out going forward. Uh, regarding the current podcast you're on, I had a, felt it was uh, necessary to, to give each of you a little message uh, from, from me. Uh, Vince, why the hell haven't you started talking about Spider-Man Fever yet in the show? This thing is the best thing ever. Uh, Brendan McCarthy or whoever the fuck this guy is, I, I can't, I can only read the thing three pages at a time and then I got to take a rest. It is so friggin' good. My message to, uh, Wood, I know you're not a Doctor Who fan. You don't have to be. You should be watching this show because the chick on that show right now is dirty hot, like you can't imagine. You should be watching it. 
And uh, Mr. Price, uh, you know, best of luck to you. Uh, you. Continue to be the voice of reason uh, in in your your little crew that you're working out there. Anyhow, uh, you guys have uh, been wasting many hours listening to your show. Enjoy the hell out of it. Please continue. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll run on each other at some con sometime. Later. Chris, what else you got? Oh, he's back. Uh, so, <laughs> no, I was just, just wanted to know we were going to talk about some comics. Oh my God! Oh Jesus Christ! Oh, you, oh my God! If we had a Chris. if we had an eleven o'clock uh, podcast karma machine, I would be dinging away at yours kicking, right, right now. Kicking, kicking, <laughs> kicking. Yeah. Good, Chris. Talk. Let's talk about something you want to talk about, buddy. You, you all missed me, didn't you? No, I did. Uh, yeah. It's been lonely on that cross without you, man. I, I, I <laughs> I'll give you a little tip, though. You can never hammer that last nail in. I, I don't. Not I, don't I don't. I don't. I don't want any of your tip, Vince. Um, <laughs> I I was um, uh, lucky enough to be. Now I'm, I'm giving you shit because I, I I really did like the first volume of Pluto. So I and if I couldn't nice. get a manga jab in, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be it's right. Very true. People would wonder what was wrong with me. I love being surprised by comics, and um, much like much like GI Joe, which I think that we were all surprised by when IDW rolled them out because license license properties. They can be hit or miss, and and Super they're slow. they're often yep. more missed than than hit. Totally uh, agree. Um, Boom Studios was at Summit City this past weekend, and okay. I um, I really liked the movie Twenty Eight Days Later. I'm not a I'm not a big horror movie fan, mm-hmm. but I thought I thought it was um, I thought it was was horror done right for for me and my taste. It was it was very smart, and it was more about atmosphere. Than um, than anything else, uh, than like out and out gore. Well, mm-hmm. um, if you didn't know, Boom Studios is doing the um, uh, not adaptation of Twenty Eight Days Later. It's it's the continuation of Twenty Eight Days Later, and it is uh, it is written by Michael Allen Nelson with art by uh, by Declan um, Shalvey. I'm gonna yeah, butcher Shalvey. his name. Uh, if you if you follow the comic, it's one of the torts, right? Okay, he, he yeah. is a he is a comic torter, um, and I I absolutely love his art. But um, uh, Chip Mosher from Boom, uh, I was asking about about twenty eight days, and and uh, Mike Nelson, the writer, was there, and um, they kind of sold me on it. I was like, okay, you know, I I really like the movie. I like the stuff that Boom's been putting out, so I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll take a chance on it. And uh, Chip. Uh, Basically, put everything fifty percent off um, at the at the the oh, end of the awesome. day. So I picked up the hardcover and the next like six issues for like twenty bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I came. How long have I, they been doing this? It's on. It's like on issue ten. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's almost a year in. And uh, I came I came home read read the. Um, the hardcover, which is I think the first four issues, and then started reading the single issues, could not put them down. Uh, and you know, I'll, I'll tell folks, from my opinion anyway, my experience is that the first four issues was a lot of setup. Um, it was kind of getting, you know, getting to the point where they're going to tell the rest of the story. And so the the first hardcover was was good, not great. But the next six issues were cannot put them down. Awesome, 
I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm totally, I'm, if you, if you need, um, like a Walking Dead fix, and you're what, you need some more zombie in your life, but told really, really well with fantastic art, pick up 28 Days Later. I am, I am, uh, hook, line, and sinker on the series right now. Sweet. Yeah, it's well, really good. Did you get a chance to meet Declan at Cedos Cedos? I did not, and I was really, ah. really, you know, I, I, I relearned how to do a convention this weekend at Summit City. I, uh-huh. It was, it was, I was, I was relaxed, you know, I wasn't in my own town having to play host and, and sure. all that stuff, That's and really, really learned how to enjoy myself. Well, New York will have class. Weekend. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it's stuff like, man, I've, I'm kicking myself for not not meeting Declan in in Chicago. Yeah, um, well, much like the uh, much like meeting the uh, the Jeju Origins artist at uh, Robert's table, I was at Norton's table, and Declan came up to say hello to Norton. It was a bit of a between those two a much deserved mutual admiration society thing. Like they were exchanging, you know, how much they enjoyed each other's work. But uh, but I introduced myself to Declan because I did know that he was on that book, but I hadn't actually read it. And uh, he actually listens to the show, so he's probably going to hear this. So he'll hmm. probably appreciate your kind words. But uh, well, Declan, you, cool you're, you're yeah. a freaking monster, man. Because yeah. yeah, is yeah, it awesome. Declan or Delkin? It's Declan. Declan. Okay, cool. He's Irish. Yes, sir. And no, uh, he actually just moved to the states, uh, just to well, but not permanently, but to work on some uh, projects and to do a lot oh. of. Uh, promotion but also speaking of Declan he uh he is new to Twitter and I think you'll probably appreciate he's uh, at at DeclanShalvey.com um you can Google and that's S H A L V E Y yes exactly and wow. he's nominated for an Eagle Award so for best oh, nation nice mm-hmm. we well, should win because he's he's really good well it's funny because he's nominated against some other people that I would think like David LaFuente, Jamie McKelvey, and I don't consider either of them newcomers. I mean, they've both been at it yeah. for a while, you know. So, but uh, he he got my vote for what it's worth. Mm, and and if you'd like to yeah. see me crush these other three guys on Twitter, you can follow me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, so that's how it back is. Back on Twitter, full force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, I got the um. Um, I got a couple Jim Rugg books. I mean, we've talked about Street Angel, which I'm about halfway through Street Angel, and oh my God, is it good. Um, it is. But uh, One Model Nation. Have you guys picked this up? No. no. It is. Um, um, it was from Image, and I think it's an OGN. I don't think it was put out in in original um, um, or in, uh, in single Floppy. issues. Um, floppies, yes. Floppy. Uh, okay, here, here's the... Here's the brief description on the back. In 1977, four young men were the voice of their generation. In 1978, they disappeared. This is the epic journey of the political art noise band One Model Nation, the final dark days of the Bader Meanoff gang and the band's mysterious disappearance only months later. Captured within these pages are the arts and politics of an era whose influences cannot be measured. Um... I gotta the, get this. The, oh, it looks it's it's a different style for Jim. It's um okay. a little a little more like uh 
I don't know what German Bauhaus, you know, no. mixed. Oh, in. really? Yeah, it's it's a, it's yeah, it's it's definitely definitely a European feel to his stuff. Um, has something to do with the Dandy Warhols. I don't okay. know if it was one of the writers is, um, but I mean, there, there's something. There's he was real briefly explaining it to me, and I'm gonna have to read up on it a little bit more. But it has something to do with the Dandy Warhols. If you're a fan of that band, um, but uh, look looks great. Looks I fantastic. This, this, uh, is, I hope this still, is still in print. Uh, I believe so. If not, then you'll just have to track Jim down. And, uh, I, I could do that because yeah, it's worth yeah. it. And once again, he was awesome. I know we talk about him ad nauseum, but mm-hmm. I had so much fun, so much fun talking with him. Even though he and Skilly are, are crazy, they drove in from Pittsburgh that morning and left right after the show. Wow. That's back, like a five-hour trip, isn't it? Six yeah, it's hours. like five, five or six hours. So, yeah, they were twelve hours car for the uh, um, for the eight-hour show. Yeah, so hard I don't know about you, but I would love to be stuck in a car with Rug and Cioli for six hours. No doubt. Yeah. Talk about ex- expansion, no demand. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. I think uh, I think Hillary fell in love with Rug as well. He's like that guy's a genius. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, he's really smart. Dude. He's had he praise from an experienced vet like Hillary. Just gonna say that I, I don't think I've heard uh, Hillary say that about anybody. <laughs> well, he said actually, he said, you know, I've said that about Alan Moore, but not many other people. Oh, um, yeah, no shit. Um, a couple other quick shout outs. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Jay Andrew Sternitsky. Is that, is that yep. how you say their name? Is it yeah. Short Stack. Uh, the Short Stack yep. guys. And yep. they, they wanted me to say hello. Um, and, and, I, and I got another issue of Short Stack. Uh, Dean Stahl uh, and, oh, the yeah, Lansing, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the whole Lansing crew, including yeah. Ryan Clater and our, our boy Jonathan Gordon. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, who um, who gave me? They all gave me books. Um, I got. Dave, it was great seeing Dave Wachter. It's been a long time since I've seen Dave. Mm-hmm. Since like Windy City, I think. And I picked up yeah. his. Uh, I hate Monst- Dave. <laughs> I do. Uh, have, do have you, you s- have you seen that man thing recreation oh, cover that he did? For, for, for 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 oh. yeah. I, I hate t- him. I touched it. I touched it. I, I hate Dave, and I'll, I, I say that very proudly. He's he's too talented too quickly. And yeah. I don't want to. I'm not going to be the one to tell him, he, "Hey, Dave, you're doing great work," because he already knows. And I want to be as good as that, Dave. That guy. That guy's been. He's been slaving for a while, and it shows. Right. I, right. But I, recently, I, I picked up. I picked up his monsters sketchbook, which is awesome. It is very good. Yeah, it's yes. it's very cool. But I I don't hate Dave. I love him. But I hate him because <laughs> I want to be able to do what he does. That's why I hate him. Mm. Um, God, there's going to be so many people I'm going to, I'm going to forget to mention, um, which is, please don't be angry at me. Um, but yeah, we'll, it was, we'll pick up my slack. Mike and Amy Sims. Yes. Thank you. Um, which was, I was like, that looks like Mike Sims. And I was <laughs> like, what are you doing here? He's like, we just decided to come up. I was like, all right, nice. So <laughs> yes, I like him. Yeah, and so, yeah. So, I, so I got got to talk to Mike and Amy, which was awesome. Uh, Cam, I cannot forget Cam and his um, girlfriend Amy. I believe it's his girlfriend. Cam, if it's your wife, then uh, then I'm sorry. Uh, it might be his wife, Amy. If it's uh, your mistress, you're in trouble. <laughs> they, they they came from they came from Tennessee, and they were a lot of fun to hang out with. Um, and yeah, all sorts of all sorts of oh, the Kramers, obviously. Um, Jism. yeah, it was the the sea the Seawald Hotel uh, apparently because he he put up oh, like yeah, eight yeah. people 
It was it, he had he they must have been stacked like cordwood in there. Um, mm, interesting. That would have been fun. <laughs> uh, the Latino brothers from uh, from Indianapolis, who uh, um, I'm pretty sure were instrumental in in me getting just blind fucking drunk on Saturday. But uh, I think the I think they left in about the same condition. So yeah, just just such a good time. A good. Now, good did time. did you actually get to talk to Ryan Stegman? Yes, he told. Did me he, he respond to what you were saying? Um, yes, because he doesn't respond to things that I say. Well, that's just oh, you. That, that, that's just you, Vince. Don't worry. That was actually one of the, responds that was, to me and Jason. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was one of the funnier moments of the show. Is like the end of the end of the day, and you know I'm you know deaf at that point from just like the you know the echo chamber of being at a convention. And I was like, all right, you know, just talking to Ryan. It was just kind of yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, have a, you know drive back safe. And I turn around and walk away, and I hear him kind of giggle and say, oh, you didn't hear me. And I was like, I turn around, he's like. You know, what? He's like, yeah, I said, I love you, Chris. I was like, oh, I love you. <laughs> you <laughs> so, suck. <yeah. laughs> uh, I tell you what, Jason, there was a there was an Electra Domino page there that I was like, man, Wood would buy Ooh. that. Pete. From Stegman. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I would yeah. buy that, actually. I was like, I would buy yeah. that. Jason, hey, Ryan, if you're listening, I'll, I'll buy that from you. Yeah, it was a sweet page. That'll go nicely with the uh, Deadpool on the bull, the Wall Street bull. Oh, I oh bought my that. God! Oh, I bought that. You bought it? Stop! <laughs> oh, shit! You bought that? Yeah, because Ryan said that you wanted it, okay, and I had to see what he does. Me. It's it's the Wolverine omnibus all over again. I was gonna say it's because you didn't get the Wolverine omnibus last time. For fuck. <laughs> I nearly I, peed my pants when I saw that tweet from Ryan. I was uh-huh. like. Dude, that's the Wall Street Bull with Deadpool on it. Did he draw that for me? <laughs> like, happy birthday. <laughs> I did not buy that, but he told me the story, and I was like, I'm going to tell well, Wood. Yeah, because Kevin Mellon was like, this is Wood charging like 200 bucks. I'm like, oh, I'll see. I said, I've got Wood written all over it, and Kevin's like, yeah, he's made out of money. Ryan's like, yeah, I, I heard know, it. Like exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, speaking of art, I have a little bet going with Mr. Julian Lytle. Ooh, what's up? About the basketball game. Well, Julian is rooting against my Phoenix Suns like a like 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 a Disney, and I love Julian, but for some reason he's he's killing me with this with this anti Suns thing. So the Suns uh, have come back from an O two start to a series to tie up with the Lakers two to two. So it's basically a three game series now, um, and it shocked a lot of people. So last night after the incredulous two to two series tie, I uh, Julian and I were tweeting. And he was shocked and all that stuff. I said, well, I'll tell you what, because, you know, Julian, as we know, he loves Wednesday comics. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also is not made of money these days. You know, he's, he's kind of on the grind. So he really, really would like to have the Wednesday comics hardcover. But I don't think he's, he's bought it yet or planning on buying it anytime soon. So I said, listen, I'll make you a deal. I said, if the Lakers win, and they are the heavy favorites of the series. So I said, if the Lakers win, I will send you a copy of the Wednesday comics hardcover. Uh, but if the Suns pull off the upset, you have to draw us a Ants-themed 11 o'clock comics banner. Oh, hell yeah. Cool. So, awesome. there you go. So, All right, so go Suns. Suns. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I got to go Blackhawks. Oh, boy. Hey, the Blackhawks <laughs> are in the Stanley Cup Finals. I get a second to crow. Um, oh, and also shout-outs. Um, um, celebrate, and then a moment of, moment of silence. It's Miles Davis's birthday today. Oh. Yes, it is. Oh, and, and happy belated Tal Day to everybody, all the Douglas Adams fans out there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I got something for David to make him squeal. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to do my, my damnedest to bring up the 
this company and the books they published every so often because it deserves it. I just I, I am so in love with any book that Neil Adams published under the uh, continu continuity, yeah. and not just Neil Adams's books. The 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 number of artists that were working for him Mark at continuity. I, I have never Samory. <laughs> I have never encountered a continuity publication that did not wow me on some level. Mm -hmm. I will admit the stories. Sometimes we're a little wonky and the dialogue is a little bit laughable now and then. And then you had the whole Death Watch 2000 thing that wasn't finished. But visually, continuity's books are always stunning right across the board. So I pulled out my bound volume. I have uh, Neil Adams Continuity Comics. It contains both Armor series, the Crazy Man series. I think there were two. And the five-issue Zero Patrol. David, are you familiar with Zero Patrol? I don't think so. Get this team up. Uh, when Neil Adams was young, he would travel to Brooklyn, uh, to Harlem specifically, to uh, newsstands, and he discovered a comic magazine called Delta 99 and a comic called Leon Legionarios del Espacio, which translates to uh, Legionnaires of Space. They were drawn by one of my favorite artists, Esteban Maroto. Oh. What Zero Patrol is, is an updating of those uh, 60s Esteban comics, but they're drawn by Esteban Maroto, and they're inked by Neil Adams. Stop. That's like Christmas. Every issue, uh, there's five of them, and it's, in a nutshell, it's five human beings that were... Uh, not abducted, but asked to go on a mission by this alien named Zero. He's the last of his race. And he has discovered that this alien race of robots is going to attack and decimate the Earth if they don't do something about it. So he takes these five humans. They all excel in various areas. One is a nuclear physicist. One is a blonde bombshell movie star who just so happened to be with this stuntman who was the real target. So he took them both. There's a female doctor of psychiatry and a man named Bruce Lewis, a bodyguard and a Rhodes Scholar. <laughs> so he takes these people... <laughs> And sends them into space to decimate this alien planet. They each have to drop, uh, set this timed explosive device in one sector of the planet. The, the robot's power comes from five sectors scattered around the planet. So he sends them in to blow up these uh, areas. They do it, and then they decide to stay on for a while. And that's what this comic is. The Adventures of Five Human Beings in Space. It is so good. It... Uh, Neil Adams is a little bit heavy-handed on the inks because you're familiar with Esteban's style. Very gritty, very, well, naturally European style. And you could tell where some panels Neil said to himself, I really don't like the way that head's drawn. I'm going to redraw it. So you'll have three, three or four characters in the Esteban Maroto vein and then one off to the side that's pure Neil Adams. Uh, and it's funny. So he Tom Palmer his ass. Yeah, it's, there, there are, whole pages that are very Neil Adams, but uh, a woman fights a plesiosaur under under the water, a bear attacks the bodyguard, it's nuts, but I eat this stuff up like candy, it's so good, so much that's fun, nice. it's, it's lighthearted fun, you get megalith backups That's Neil what I Adams. See. Megalith was my first, uh, it was pretty much the introduction 
the continuity for me and and then and then I uh found armor and and silver streak and and the revengers and uh and I, I that, that's kind of who I stuck with for a while. Yeah. Do you recall if I mean there's no um comics code of authority stamp on these. Do you recall if they were these continuity books were for mature readers or or not when they originally sold because there are some things in these books. I mean, yeah, it's not. They, there wasn't anything on the. I mean, I I bought my issues at at the newsstand at at, at the corner candy store where my father got his lotto tickets. So I, you know, they weren't direct market books. When I picked them up, I know that they, there were um there were images that you know made me feel a little funny. They they were um especially the the samurai <laughs> books. I mean, you know. Oh, they, Mark Beecham, yeah. Right, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you can't so, yeah. Like, how does she definitely... fight with her uniform all scrunched up in the glory <laughs> hole like that? You know, seriously. <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and, and same thing in, in Megalith. You know, I mean, Neil Adams knows how to draw the, the pretty woman. So, I mean, it's yeah. not, they, they weren't, I don't want to say it was cheesecake or anything. They weren't, they, they may not have been mature readers as far as the themes go, but they, they showed some yeah. skin, but not, they didn't give anything well, away. In issue three, Lainey Dark, the, she's the psychiatrist, uh, uh, excuse me, the doctor of psychiatry. She gets uh, brought in by this other alien dude. And so her her costume is very revealing to begin with. But there's a point in the story where her top becomes unbuttoned and she's not wearing anything under it. And she faints in one part. And it's all there. I mean, there's no nipple drawn, but she's out there for the world to see and i was it just kind of like stunned me that this was available on the newsstand yeah at, at that time just gorgeous artwork and there's a a four-page neil adams written and drawn story in the second issue that i swear i saw in heavy metal it's it's basically neil adams espousing on the penal system and you know how heavy-handed oh. he can be in some of his his views. Well, I was expecting it, you to say about the Earth, but okay. I mean, penal system. No, is, no. This this is yeah. This is his views on crime and punishment okay. and uh, revenge and what should be done and what shouldn't be done. It's magnificently drawn, but it's dry as hell to read. Oh. But I mean, it's all eye candy. And as far as continuity covers, fantastic covers. Some of the best covers I've ever seen came out of Continuity Studios. And the first time I cover. Yes. And contrary to popular belief, that shit can be cut. Because <laughs> I, I have it in this volume and it's nicely <laughs> trimmed. <laughs> they had to cut it to put it on the cover, to put it on the front of the book anyway. Yeah. It's, it's great. Uh, fantastic work. Uh, we will investigate continuity, uh, comics further, but I just wanted yeah. to float this out there that I, I'm a huge, huge fan. And um, I'm in the process of binding all of the continuity stuff. And for I, those of you who are concerned, let's bring up a, a very relevant to topic. That, yeah, yeah who, those are you are concerned or at least interested in binding your comics. There's been a little bit of shakeup down at uh, in Texas at library binding. Uh, rest assured, though, when the dust settles, there will be a new comic book bindery uh, available for your. Uh, patronage and it will be headed by Jim Jasek, James Jasek, the man who is in my estimation the best in this relatively small field of comic book binders and so we don't know the specifics yet but don't get scared there will be comic book binding available to you and the name to 
uh, trust when you bind your books is James Jasek. But if you want to read more about that, the whole sordid history of everything concerning uh, library binding and everything that happened to them in the past couple of days, actually, you come to our forum because we'd love to have you. It's forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com or www.11oclockcomics.com. It's hopping. It is hopping. It is the place to be. We have a, a nice banner with Ed McGinnis Hulk art that somehow translates into Lost for some reason. I don't yeah, know how that happened, that. but uh, it's very cool. And uh, So, yeah, come to our forum. What else we got? The uh, c- continuity is one... Com- it, when, when I go... I and, love it and, when you continue the, stuff um, we talk about. Uh, the, when I'm going through the bargain bins at conventions and, and the like, and, and I'm looking for the milestone, and I'm looking for, like, Komiko and all the, the, the first-ish comics that you know, I had ages ago that I've, I've lost over the years. Continuity never really seems to be in those bins all uh, that often. Yeah, I but the, the thing is... I mean, I, yeah, do, I do keep an maybe, eye out, I do want them. Maybe it's because they're snatched up. Because I have seen them in, in, the, in the cheapy bins. And that's the, the beautiful thing about continuity books. They won't cost you a lot. No. It, 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 you max a buck a piece. Maybe the, the special goofy foil covers and, and, and low print run special issues were, are maybe a couple bucks more. But you can amass a complete collection of continuity comics for. There was pennies. one guy who had the, uh, had some Valeria, the Shebat variants uh, at his table at, and, uh, as it does. So. I love Valeria, the Shebat. You know what I did? I, I have. Did you make your own bu- Valeria spawn crossover? No, because I know they which, didn't. Oh, okay. I know they never happened. But uh, what I did was the futz up. Bring it up, buddy. Oh well. I got uh, two books that came out today. I want to shout out. Okay, mm-hmm. Vince. Oh, well, I'm not going to talk. About, I'm not going to say. Oh, that. okay. All right, all right. Just checking. I'm not going to pull a Vince. Um, but I want to say that. Uh, <laughs> you could pull a I could, I could, but I'm not going to. But um, because they're uh, a little bit off the beaten track, but I thought that they were terrific. Um, I actually picked them up from Midtown today. Because I hadn't pre-ordered them, but I had heard good things. So, uh, first is uh, by Boom, which we seem to be talking about a lot lately. So uh, I guess hats off to Boom for putting out good books. But um, this is uh, the first issue uh, called Seven Psychopaths. Excuse me. Uh, it's written by someone I'm not familiar with named Fabian Vellman, V E H L M A N N. But the art is certainly by someone that we're all familiar with. David, you're probably rubbing yourself right now. Uh, Sean Phillips. Oh. Ah. Yeah, so um, the premise is one that anyone that's seen uh, The Dirty Dozen or uh, more recently uh, Tarantino's uh, most recent uh, Butte of Inglorious Bastards, uh, basically it's um, what if it's sort of a what if world where Hitler and the Nazis win the war and hmm. are, or are winning the war, I should say, um, and. The U.S., the Patriots, are kind of at their wit's end and don't quite know what to do. So they decide to put up a, you know, whether like I say, whether you want to call it a dirty dozen or a suicide squad or whatever you have. They said, let's, uh, let's, you know, they, they have an answer for everything, so why don't we try and assassinate Hitler? And they're like, well, we've tried to kill Hitler a million times and it never works. And they said, yeah, but what if we send seven psychopaths into Germany to just do what they're going to do? And they're totally, since they're psychopaths, they're unpredictable. Uh, we can't predict what they'll do. The Nazis won't be able to predict what they'll do, and uh, maybe they'll get to him. And uh, the first issue, like all great action films, is sort of the formation of the team. You're introduced to the majority of what's going to be the seven psychopaths, and it's just uh, totally roped me in. I'm a sucker for those kind of movies where they get the team together and then they go on a mission. So 
right up my alley. Sean Phillips' art, crazily good. Um, colors by a one-word dude named Hubert. I don't know enough where this worked before, but but he does he does a love job. Okay. Like <laughs> Not Hubert. That's his brother, Hubert. Um, but no, very very cool. And like I said, I mean, if you're at all interested in that kind of action genre where they get a team of misfits together to do a job, this is right up that alley, and it's uh, pretty cool. I mean, we meet I think five of the seven uh, in this first issue, and they're all very interesting, and uh, you know have their own little quirky backstories. And uh, hey, it's killing Nazis, so you can't go wrong there. Um, and the other one uh, is another first issue of a new series, and uh, it is uh, Mystery Society. Uh, also by Boom. Oh, no, no, IDW. Also uh, by IDW. Um, it's written by Steve Niles. Uh, Ashley Wood is involved. And its uh, interiors are by Fiona Staples. And damn if Fiona Staples isn't looking jam good in this book. I mean, oh my god. She looks, her work looks phenomenal in this book. It just is gorgeous stuff. Um, and, and the premise here is, again, it's, it's First issue, so you're kind of introduced it, but there's a a a, a pair of um, uh, a husband and wife whose last name is Mystery. It wasn't originally, but they changed it to Mystery. They come into an inordinate sum of wealth, and they're quirky conspiracy theorists. So they decide to form a group called the Mystery Society, and uh, you're introduced to them, their backstory, and the early formations of the society. Uh, and uh, uh, it's it's for people that have seen the movie Mister and Mrs. Smith with Brad Pitt and Angela. Oh, I love it. Love yeah, her. it's very evocative of that to me. She, the the wife is gorgeous, and you know the husband's a good looking dude, and they're very famous, and they're 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 not only rich and but they're celebrities, and and everybody adores them. Um, they have this great back and forth, very witty banter. You know, he's in the middle of taking out a bunch of people, and she's on the the you know the walkie talkie or the cell phone with him. You know. Just, just talking shit with him and talking about how she's going to ravage him when he gets home, and it's just very much like the. It's just to me, it was very, very much that same vibe of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but but pre them being enemies, but more when they're like kind of aligned. Um, so I, I thought it was great. Uh, it's the first issue, so again, it's a little bit of a setup. Um, you don't quite know where they're going. It just kind of gives you enough to to pull you back for the second issue. But again, Fiona Staples' art was just ridiculous, and uh, I, I I'm totally on board for this one. Um, you know, Steve Niles. Of course, of uh, Thirty Days, Thirty Night Fame, very much in the horror. I, I, he's pretty much uh, all the stuff I've known him for has been horror. Um, I don't know if this is also a horror book, but there wasn't much horror related in the first issue. It was much more action espionage, so maybe he's trying to branch out. Um, there is an undead character in it, so maybe he's kind of straddling the fence. But uh, but for the most part, it was it was very much a, an espionage kind of it had a little bit of Casanova vibe to it. So uh, highly, highly recommend those two books that came out uh, on shelves now, as they say. Today, yeah, cool, yeah. good mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. You could be all current too. I like that. No. <laughs> what you, you go to you, no, no. Midtown? You get three yeah. years. Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I've never been there. I heard it's a it's a wonderful store. It's huge, and um, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I've talked about it before. Midtown, yeah, very cool. It's it's huge. I mean, they do tons of business. You know, it's it's in Midtown Manhattan, so they do ridiculous business and. Um, you know, Raff works there, so they can't be all bad, right? Wraith Maker. It's true. Uh, they have all the, you know, the, to, to, they're one of those stores that pretty much do have anything that you could imagine they have at least a couple copies of, which is neat. You know, you, you can go there and get any any indie that you want. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not, I, it, there are great things about it, but there are things that I'm not crazy about because they're in Midtown Manhattan and they do so much business, you, you rarely, if ever, get discounts. You know, you're right. never going to come away like you do, Vince. I know you go to your store a lot and you come away with, 
like back issues or some kind of sale. You'll never see that there. They have very they have tons of long boxes that have the same inventory they had five years ago, and oh. they're they're marked. You know, like like an issue of Avengers Initiative from six six months ago will be in there, and it'll be you know six bucks. You know what I mean? Like oh they so, so they don't they don't really move back issues too much, but they have anything new. Is great. Um, they have tons of any trade or hardcover that's in print right now. They have at least a copy of, and again, it's not on sale per se, but you know, but it, but it's there if you want it. And um, they have tons of toys. They have, uh, quote unquote, so I've heard quite a uh, big uh, adult comic section. So. <laughs> uh, you know, so no, it's, it's a great store. They have. It's anything you want they have there, but you're going to have to pay retail price. Yeah. I had David Squealin' today speaking of back issues. I, I picked up a book drawn by Gil Kane and inked by Dave Cockrum. Uh, the, the creators of the uh, Giant Size X-Men number one cover. Yeah. It's uh, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, number one. Yeah. I got it for a buck fifty. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, those bronze marvels. Well, I think that's borderline bronze. No, it's thirty cents, so that's still considered bronze. Marvel. Yeah, I call it bronze. Yeah, uh, they just the, that sets my world on fire. That that was the period, the, the the time, and we all have our golden age. I know it's called the bronze, but the bronze age is my golden age. That's when I really got heavy mm-hmm. in the comics, and uh, Marvel could have published shit at that period, and I would have just lapped it up. Hey, I'm waiting for Chris, and, and they never did. So. <laughs> Well, all that, that all that bronze stuff. I was, just, I was waiting for him to say, "Well, they do it now." So anyway, yeah, I was going to yeah. say maybe this is the bronze age. Um, it's not nice. It's, it's not not nice. Right. We had some nice Steve Gerber conversations this Aww. weekend. What about Steve Gerber? We were talking actually. Um, uh, one of the, one of the little highlights of the show was that um, Suntress had been. Uh, moderating panels kind of all day at this at this thing, hey, and so. Um, so about three o'clock, uh, Hillary was uh, was heading into uh, a horror comics panel, and uh, and I walked in a few minutes, about fifteen minutes before it was getting ready to start, and I walked up to John. I was like, "Hey, John, if you want to take a break, I can, you know, I can do this if you want." He's like, "Oh, thanks, man. I want to walk around the show a little bit." So I got to moderate the uh, horror comics panel, and it was um, it was Hillary Barda and Jim Heffron. Uh, who did uh, uh, Tolls for Thee, and uh, uh, M- uh, Michael Allen Nelson, who did uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. So that was that was kind of fun talking about about horror comics, and we talked about you know Marvel's Marvel's Bronze Age, and um, you know getting into the, you know the the, the black and white um, uh, oh, magazine boy. rack horror comics. It was it was a lot of fun. It was very cool. Yeah, those in in my estimation, those black and white magazines are unparalleled. That's some of the oh, best, they're, they're awesome. the best yeah. work Marvel ever put out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Or, or yeah, Curtis, Curtis Publishing, if you look at the covers real closely. The imprint. Yeah. <laughs> and Gerber did Tales of the Zombie, among yep. other things. Yep. Look at that. I love the way I love the way Chris is trailing the uh, Summit City talk through the whole episode. That's good. It is great. I, have to I say, like I that. Yeah. The, um, I'm definitely jealous. That 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 show. I thought it was going to be a quaint little show, you know, but it sounds like it was. It was. No, it was. It was. Um, well, I would not. It was a lot like Windy City. It was mm-hmm. a lot like Windy City. And um, how were the just, uh, deals though? Was it just DCBS as a vendor, or was there? 
No, no, no. They had they had a lot of they had a lot of exhibitors there. There was uh, um, a lot of fifty percent off trades. Um, lot lot of back issues. It was uh, no. It was it us. was a good <laughs> good thought. Good thoughts sent your way. Yeah. Uh, can't read I good mean, thoughts. Wish you were here. <laughs> you know me. I I've got so much freaking book in my house at this point that. And then what I keep accumulating every month from yeah. you know from ordering, I I don't go to conventions with the mindset that I'm going to buy a bunch of you know cheap trades or hardcovers that kind of stuff. It's I'm much more about you know finding that one piece of art that I want and and that kind of stuff. So yeah. you helped convince um, me to to turn over a new leaf, and it works. Really? Yeah. What about Cidocidos? I didn't do too much scrounging. Yeah. I was happy. Yeah. I was happy enough to just be talking to our friends and, and artists and, and creators. Mm -hmm. That was great. Yeah, and yeah. you find something that's you know original. I'm still jealous of the page that Jason got the the Hercules page. That's how I roll. It's how that he thing. does roll. It's true. That, but that, that shit is for real, dude. I just <laughs> I actually just painted the hallway. The Black <laughs> Panther statue should be coming in the next uh, couple weeks. Then the nice. photo shoot happens, bitches. Oh, you need uh, to okay, see the, the new the, previews. Oh, Why? There's a Kotobukiya Deadpool statue. It's what? real. It's really Wait, what? nice. <laughs> For real? What? Yeah. He's how much? Two hundred. He's it's, on it like a bonnet, bitch. It's, it's a full. Now listen, listen, listen. There's a there's a there's a it's full body Deadpool, and he's he's crouching down. And he's got the one squinty eye, and he's got the blade in his hand one foot up on top of a crate but when you turn the statue there's something on the ground behind the crate that's going to seal the deal for you and I, I am effing giddy <laughs> it sounds like it was already sealed yep Kotobukiya it's in the uh, oh I just looked it up giddy <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it okay Jeez, it's it's all I bring joy wherever I go but I will you say me great joy next oh nice I just saw what's behind the crate <laughs> It is going what's, to be mine. If um, the box, what's in the box? What's in the box? If what's Zach, box? I will say I'm ninety percent sure I'm going to Summit City next year. But if Zach's plans come to fruition, fruition, oh yeah, everyone's going to be coming. I will be there. Definitely be there next that year. Boy, that boy, that boy aims high. Let's just leave it at that. He does. Thank you, Brenda. He aims high. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this message is for we. This is Cara calling from Eatalyze. I'm calling in reference to your inquiry that you sent in regarding our product content solutions. Please give me a call back at your earliest convenience. My number is 6666666. Again, that number is 6666666. Thank you. Bye-bye. So, uh, you know what? Stop that's it. all. I think that's... We're getting a little horsey here. Let's talk... Can we talk about Lost for a little while? Maybe just five minutes? Did yeah, you watch, did you watch it? I've, I've never seen an episode. I've never seen it. Oh, David, do you okay. watch it? Uh, no. Oh, Jason. I guess it'll just be a love fest for Jason and I. Because I only I, watch like old 70s Doctor Who episodes. I <laughs> nice. By the way, I have to say, speaking of that, uh, the, the Bendis uh -oh. tapes were going on this week, you know, with Suntress. <laughs> and uh, I love it. Bendis, like, a thousand times makes fun of how Suntress is like a 90-year-old man. It's pretty funny. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, yeah. what, is, what does that have to do with Doctor Who, though? Uh, you you <laughs> be the judge. I don't. Okay. You decide. <laughs> wasn't Okay. Wasn't the last, the, the, the finale, wasn't it awesome? 
It was fantastic. In a lifetime of loving long-running series where the finale leaves me cold to nonplussed, this finale was right up there with the best of all time, I thought. Yeah, I, I don't quite rank it in the same category as the last episode of MASH, but it was it was up there. It's comparable, I, I, though. Yeah, I, I mean, think I was the, a little Mash, kid when that happened, although I do remember that vividly as well. I think that's the best denouement of, of any, uh, or a curtain call of any series was the, the MASH finale. And uh, this Lost thing, uh, I think they covered as many bases as they possibly could within the two and a half hours Obviously, there were some questions still left unanswered, but in the grand scheme of things, I really don't think they matter all that much. I mean, that's what most of the criticism online is. Well, I don't understand. You didn't explain about what the island really was and, and, and what's the deal with this. It doesn't really matter in my mind because it wasn't, it was about that, but it was more about the characters. Well, right. I think I've, I've read a lot. I'm sure as you have, I've read a lot of pro pro and con about the finale and you know that's going to happen with a series like sure. this that's so um i i don't want to dismiss the criticisms because i everyone's going to have their own expectations for what they got out of the series what they thought the series is about so you know i've read some of the criticisms and if that's what you thought the series was about or that was what drew you in okay i i, I get that you're unhappy that you didn't get the answers but i guess having watched the last season i don't know you know whether it been 10 weeks ago or six weeks ago or three weeks ago how anyone that was watching the series season would have thought we were going to have everything wrapped up with a nice bow on it, right? Like, right. I mean, I came to terms very early in the season with the conclusion that you know what, Cuse and Lindelof and these guys are tr- are not going to answer a lot of the qu- the hanging chads. Right. They, it's not important. And I mean, I I think I could have gone into the last episode, I could have come away disappointed because I I I didn't know what to expect, but the way they did it to me gave me all the answers I wanted, which is to say they told us what the show was about to them and why we should have cared, which was, like you said, the characters, faith versus reason, you know, faith versus science. They they tell you what they side they choose on. You know, it was uh, – I just thought it was terrific. And, you know, the, the like you said, the main criticism is like, well, we didn't get all these answers. But to me, I think that was one of the main takeaways of the series, which is to say that it's about the journey. It's, sometimes it's not about – the end it's about the journey and some Life people a, will, journey. will will see that as a cop out because there there's a very vocal aspect of mm-hmm. any kind of popular media where they right. want everything answered for them mm-hmm. yeah and again i i i get like a, i think i said this uh to peter rios when we were talking about this i said you know this season was probably my least favorite season of the six. Oh, really because- well, of the, I, I love the series, but I mean, I still wouldn't, I didn't dislike the season, but I think of the six, it was probably my least favorite because I did think now in retrospect that there was a lot of stuff they did this season that I, I probably ultimately don't think they needed to. But to me, the way they wrapped it up more than made up for it and circumvented any, you know, any experience I had this season that didn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. And to me, again, it's because it's about the journey. It was about these characters and their journey. And a lot Which of is very they, symbolic when you take into account the last episode. Exactly, and I think right. too the the fantastical nature of the setting was also what made it great. Which is to say that we live very mund. I mean, the average person lives a very mundane life, right? And so those moments in our lives that really stand out are few and far between. And these people were thrust into a ridiculously over the top, obscene, intricate, complex, harrowing 
life, but yet, you know, but yet at the end of the day, like as their lives end, it's still about the same thing, which is that the people and experiences they meet that leave a mark on them, you know, and not to get too corny, but I, I mean, I think that's what life is really all about, at least for me. I mean, I'm not, I'm on record as being an atheist, and I know some other people that are not a faith. Like, I've seen a lot of criticism of people that aren't religious saying, oh, this, they, they made this whole thing about faith, and uh, I'm not, and to me, I'm like, I don't buy that because I'm an atheist, and yet, I agree that faith was an important component of the way they wrapped the series, but that's not offensive to me. Like, that's a choice they made. Like, I, I fully accept, and maybe this is why I'm different than a lot of other people like, like I that are consider themselves atheists. I fully accept and appreciate the massive importance that faith has in the vast majority of people walking this earth. So sure. to me, like putting faith into the equation is not a problem, like because that's real life. Like again, that's part of the human experience for most people. But you so, have like, the, a kind of backhanded, offhanded faith in in other things. You you have sure, faith yeah, that yeah, yeah. that the market will survive for another day. And you know other yeah. things. So you do. There is an aspect of your life that I don't know faith, too many faith, human beings that don't have. Unless you're a nihilist, I mean, you have belief or faith in something, right? right? You believe that your wife loves you, or believe that your kids are, you know, inherently good, or you, you know what I mean. Like that's. I think that's just human nature again, is to have faith in something. I mean, I, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's that's part of the human condition. Yeah. Um, like just just take Sun and Jin. It, it wasn't important that like the submarine scene, and I won't. Right. To, to spill that, but that wasn't the important part, and uh, the 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 fact that which one of them was the the uh, the candidate that wasn't important. The important thing was that Jin was a very overbearing, domineering, uh, almost abusive husband, and he came around at, at, towards the series end. And the the thing that was unique about those two characters was they had they shared a love that spanned. De- literally spanned decades yeah. if you take into account the the the, the jump but yeah. uh that was what made son and jin unique it, it wasn't the fact that you know maybe the daughter was a candidate or it was son because no it, the, focus on the, the, there's that big picture that's what i liked about it was everybody had a happy ending well right and the other thing too is if if you think about the average human experience i mean we we've all become friends and close in the last few years because of this but there are different points in your life where you have people in your life that at that moment in that snapshot of your life seem to be the most important people in your life right yeah and some of them hopefully for all of us are still really important in your life but let's be honest some of them you probably have people that at one point you thought were either your best friend or Oh, they're like my brother, or I love them in a romantic way, and they're not at all a part of your life anymore. And that's right. just life, you know. If you li- and that's what I thought. The other cool thing about Lost, it's like when Jack's dad says to him, you know, because I also saw people like, oh, so none of this ever happened. No, it did happen. Jack's dad said to Jack, these the time you spent with these people was the most important time of your life. Yeah, like I so thought, it, that it, section was the spoon-fed part to the fans. They, they but I that, thought it was imp- but I thought it was important because so many it people was important yeah thought oh they, so none of this happened no the, that was the producers telling you they wanted a lot to be ambiguous and let leave it to you but they didn't want you to have the ambiguity of thinking that it was all a dream they which didn't was, want it to be a Bobby Ewing which you know? was totally undermined by the stupid scene that ABC put at the end of the credits. Yeah, which yes. they said that wasn't part of the story. No, right? it was. It was mood or something, right? Because yeah. there was a section where they would do the the previews for the next episode, and since right. there was no next episode, they had to fill that time with something. Right. Right. So they put the shot of the crashed airplane, which yeah. made people think, "Wait a minute," you know. 
but yeah, I I thought it was definitely one of my favorite TV series of all time. And yeah. when I think of the other series that I consider up there, when I compare the ending of this series to those, it's it's way higher. Like Sopranos, you know, make for I, I didn't hate the ending like some people, but I didn't think it was a terrific ending. You know, I, I really didn't. The Seinfeld ending I thought was terrible. It's horrible. Uh, well, yeah, horrible. Battlestar yeah. ending again, I didn't hate it, but I I didn't. It didn't I end the way. Battlestar. I, I liked it. I like that. Yeah, one. and I, again, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to say I, I know I don't I didn't hate it. I was like, oh, it's awful. But it, it to me, it, it didn't end the way I'd hoped it would. And again, that's, it's your own expectations. But but this, I didn't have expectations for how it was going to end. But at the end of the two and a half hours, I just had a huge smile on my face, and I said, that was great. It was yeah. heartwarming. It was. It what are was, what are your what are your what are your favorite TV show ending episodes? Well, this would be up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Vince said, Mash certainly. Mash. Uh, yeah. Um, that one, that's brutal. That was a brutal episode. Oh, yeah, um, so good though. The, the the baby in in the bus. Oh my god, did uh, that, did that make an impression the, on me? The chicken. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, Bob Newhart. <laughs> that's the, that was that was the be- that was the best. It was a dream finale. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about uh, the next generation? Oh, can't say. Um, really, yeah. the yeah. Whole, the paradox episode. Yeah. I, I don't know that I. I uh, oh, I like that. Now I, I know some people don't like that. What about um, what about Babylon Five? Didn't watch it. Uh yeah, that was okay. That was. I love that one. That I'm was certainly. Mm-hmm. It was certainly better than the episodes that preceded it in season. You know, five. and I found it. Uh, the Wonder Years is good. Oh my God! I was going to say that the Wonder uh, Years episode kills me every time yep. I see it. The, I, yep, I, the, the I almost can't watch it. The five thing. Gabe Hardman clued me in on this. You know why that last episode was so good? They filmed it as part of uh, at the end of the fourth season. It's fourth season because he right. He oh, didn't think right, he was going to be was coming back. Right. Yeah. 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 I, haven't, but, uh, I didn't watch that that show, but I did. I did remember. So, Jason, you mean to tell me that Chris is going to be in the church at the end? Do we have that to look forward to? Neesman is going to be sitting there waiting <sighs> yeah, for us. Yeah, he's probably going to be up in there. Oh man. Oh well. I guess we got to take him. Now, well, let me ask you Vince without giving if if we can keep a spoiler. What was your favorite moment of the uh of the finale? Was it the Sun and Jin thing or was it No, I can't talk about it. Oh, you can't. Okay. <laughs> I you'll, can't. Wait, you'll get choked up? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. No. But I I I did like in in retrospect, I didn't get the scene until maybe an hour or so after the 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 final moment of the episode, remember? Well, I don't remember, but the scene with um, Juliet and Sawyer at the candy machine. Oh, love that. It. She is such a talented actress, but oh, the, she's the, such the, a fox too. The, I know the candy machine was a metaphor for the island. Yeah, and and I did not get that until because yeah. I was focusing more on the interaction between the characters, not what they were saying, not what they were doing. And I was kind of choked up that, oh, here we go. This is the, the big payoff for Juliet and, and Sawyer that I wasn't focusing on the other aspect of it. But yeah, that scene got me. The uh, the Kate and obviously uh, Jack with the, you know, when she said, I've been waiting. That was just devastating. It was a, it was a great episode all along, but the, the very last thing you see uh, killed me. Yep, yeah. and also it was pretty cool because no matter what you have to think about, what wasn't or was filled, dude. When when Jack and and, and Flock are battling, there was a super punch. 
Julian had to be going nuts. There was a super punch. It was yeah, crazy. That was the only Jack thing Flash I did. Jack like 40 feet through the air with like a big old, like, ah, like super yeah. punch. It was crazy. But it's that, that scene where, where he's fighting Locke and, and, and they're on the cliffs and stuff, I saw Kirk fighting the Gorn. I just, I, <laughs> I, that, that scene was like, no really? Oh when my God. Captain Kirk had to fight the Gorn? On the, the planet, and he, alien, and he, the, the he, alien in the rubber suit. On the he back makes line. the makeshift uh, cannon. The oh, classic Star Trek! But what? I, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Hold on. Are you going to totally lose your geek cred if you don't know this episode that we're talking of, dude? I'm 35 years old. Star Trek was a relic when I was coming up on the. No, you know, it I, wasn't. No, yes, it was. no, it was. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yes, it was. I'm but, two years older than you, but, and no, it wasn't. You're an God old soul. During that that part where Jack's fighting him, I can al- almost hear the you know, and it was just really. That's from a mock time, though. That that's. I know, but that yeah, that's the arena, the arena side. It was just like, oh, I don't, we don't need this. Just and and that was the thing. The whole lock thing was almost superfluous to the episode. It didn't. It was a means to an end, and it was something that's been building for the entire season. But it was almost unnecessary at that point. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is you know the whole thing is people are bent out of shape because again we didn't get certain answers but the whole the 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 escape the um what's the word the um i guess the uh the writers get out of it by implying that jacob had these rules and it was basically escape a game hatch, he yeah. set the rules and he, i again i'm not going to criticize those who feel like that's an an out like that the writers just did use that as an out whatever that's if that's how they feel i can't say they're wrong because i don't know what was going on in the mind of the writers but i could accept it again because our our lives are built around where if you take a step back arbitrary rules right i mean we we live our lives full of arbitrary rules i mean mm-hmm. why do we need to drive 65 miles an hour right a lot I mean, of why, nonsensical rules too yeah right but i mean like even why why, why is society premised on a mono you know a a a uh uh, monogamy, right? I mean, why is the concept insane. of insane? It's person, insane. Right? You're right. Well, I all hate jokes that aside, one. though, I'm saying, but we <laughs> have the societal rules that we just take for granted, right? I mean, it's just like you're supposed to be married to one person, so that's what we do, and it's just Silliness. it's right. There's no logic behind that. Like, there's no like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no. It's just the way society. You know, there was a time when men were wore powdered wigs, and that was the accepted thing. Now we don't. You know what I mean? Like, it's just Love it. life is full Speak of for yourself. Of strange <laughs> rules and regulations that we just abide by because that's what we've done in the past. Yep. I um, hope I hope someone picks up the ball and does a and I I want again I won't spoil it a number one and number two miniseries that would be so cool to see. Just continue mm-hmm. that pocket of of information that we were denied because it didn't happen at the time uh, of the the ending and let's explore some of that like what Whedon's doing with Buffy. Over at Dark Horse, maybe do a mini series or two. Uh, yeah, you know, not the like what they're doing with Angel. Uh, not good. Oof. Okay. All right. Let's end on an upbeat note. <laughs> Woof. Oh, I, I think I've seen this Gorn episode. I just looked it up. <laughs> Jeez. Of course you have. You're an American, aren't you? Yeah. I, I even have to admit that that episode's pretty special, and I don't really oh, like yeah. Star Trek all that much. So yeah. Thank you, uh, DCBS, for sponsoring this episode. Discount nice. Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com, where you can get massive discounts on your favorite comic books and collectibles. And if you're a first-time user of their wonderful service, you can uh, type in EOC8 and get an extra 8% off your order, which would probably bring it close to 50% off 
if you stay with uh, Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse, which is a hell of a lot of books. Uh, so there you go. And in your travels, do yourself a huge favor and read Atlas from Marvel. Oh. First first issue came out last week. Oh, I love the... Um, You're a triathlon man, aren't you? I am a triathlon man, but I just love every line Gabe Hardman puts on the paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think the guy is disgustingly talented, and it's very obvious in this issue. It's a little bit of a, a strange issue for the first Agents of Atlas because it mostly focuses on uh, 3D Man, which was triathlon from the Kurt Busiek Avengers days. It's just mm-hmm. great, and, and oh, I, I, I can't stress it enough. Get out there and buy this. It's it so damn good. The, they yeah, did. They did. Even the backup the story was great, and I love the way it tied into the... the uh, the lead-in story. The uh, with, with, without being too big of a geek, it, it's not triathlon. There's no second A. Oh boy, that you can't say what you just said. And then damn, I'm just, I'm just, uh, because I remember seeing it. I, I, Busick mentioned it ages ago. Where why you say where it someone, then? Someone kept misspelling it. it. It's not like he's not a triathlete. It's, it's triathlon with T H L O N. No, no athlon. Well, I just I just oh, remember well, this. Well, this hey, the fucking yeah, eleven o'clock spelling bee. I'm j- oh, I'm just, hey, I'm don't you get on, David? He wants to enrich. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Not to nitpick, but oh, <laughs> yes, because we won't. You know, we won't been doing that since fucking nine o'clock. Well, well it would have been, <laughs> been since nine o'clock, but Wood was late, so. Oh, I'm not shutting. <laughs> now, see, now you're an equal opportunity offender. Now you're getting on Wood, and I, I won't have it. I'm I, you could say anything to me right now because I'm just sitting here staring at the Kotobukiya uh, Deadpool statue. Dude, do you know it has interchangeable arms? Yeah, I what's saw it, that. What's so. in the box? Oh my god, it's what's got behind the box. Got katana arms and Uzi arms. Seriously, I, I'm, what's, I'm what's, touching myself inappropriately little, right now. A little plush teddy bear Deadpool. What's behind, <laughs> the, what's, what's behind the crate? A teddy bear Deadpool. David just said a teddy bear Deadpool. Oh, oh awesome. okay. It, it looks pretty weighty too. It uh, does. Okay. It's all yeah. shiny. Kotobukiya does good stuff. They they always do. Three you see, yikes! <laughs> all right. So right. in your in, 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 in travels. travels. Um, next on my uh, on my to read pile, my my regime pile, um, is it was the War of the Trenches. It's yes. The, um, yes. Yep, yep. The the next volume in our ongoing love affair with Jacques Tardy, and take I cannot a, wait to get into. This. Take a look at the new fan uh, the in the new previews, the fanographic section. Color Tardy coming out. Really? Color, yes. Damn, it's it's a little expensive month, isn't it? It's a little expensive because it's I think it's ninety six pages and it, they're they're asking twenty four ninety nine for it. Mm. But it is in color, okay. so and it's tardy. How could you pass that up? It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's I I can't I I've got too much book around me right now. I've got to I've got to figure out when I'm going to read all this shit. You're it's, trying your damnedest to get that inserted into the lexicon, aren't you? Book, right? Too much book. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> too much book. Man, I'm doing <laughs> serious. The book. If, you, if you saw this right now, because I usually read a little bit after we, after we, after we record on Wednesday, and I'm like, do I read like the Len Wein, Bernie Wrights in the Swamp thing? Do I read the Ditko Creeper? Do I read you know the the, 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 tar, the new tar, the new Tardy book? I'm 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 lost here, guys. I don't know what to do. Well, now you're found. Tough spot. Yeah. I don't I don't know what to do. I don't think one can have too much book. The new Alien Legion Omnibus Volume 2 came out. Oh, must own. 
It's so you, good. If you don't so already bad. have it, must own oh, it. Oh, it's yeah. got it's got the graphic novel in there. Gray Day to Die? Is it was that the graphic novel? What yeah, was Gray the, Day to Die. Yeah. yeah. Which is that it has been out of print forever. Criminal. I'm just oof, I, I, I'm giddy. You could tell. <laughs> David. Uh, well, I, I was gonna say what a, a new book, but then I realized I'm traveling tomorrow and I'm taking some shit with me. So um what will you be reading then? I will be reading a little bit of everything. I have on my stack over here. I got on my pile of book, uh, <laughs> action. The, the more than complete action philosophers. Oh, I've been meaning to start that. Yeah. The complete normal man by Valentino. Cool. Uh, new wave. The underground mini comics of the 1980s. Nice. Uh, Avengers forever. Oh, David. What? Avengers forever. You will so love good. it. You will love it. And uh, on the shelf. And and the Invincible Iron Man, not an omnibus by Fraction and uh and La Roca. So I yeah, that that's you, what I'll be taking on my travels. You'll appreciate the story. I know. Last one. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to read that. And if you're a <laughs> lost fan, you can I was just gonna say your, that. Yeah. Well no, see I remember I remember um I could have been a lost fan back when New Universal was coming out. So, I don't uh, know. Which is very I'm, true. I'm already, I'm already what what happened to that? Uh, eh. Seriously. That's long. Did Rupert's... you see how Howard the Duck is in Marvel Zombies 5? Yeah, I saw it. No, so I, gotta, I missed that. I, I can't wait till that's collected. Gotta enough. get it. Enough. No, it's never enough. You can never <laughs> have enough book about zombies. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, oh, like, man, like, I hurt myself. Next one is Marvel out. Zombies Day. Well, here's the thing. If you have too much book in your house already, I've got something for you that won't take up much space, but it's still worth reading. And that is uh, the aforementioned Rambo 3.5 of Mr. Jim Rugg. It is, <laughs> I, I, don't wanna, I didn't want to spoil it by going into it's it today. It's the greatest mini-comic ever. Haven't seen it. But it is the bomb-ass mini-comic. All i got to say is Rambo, George Bush, ass-kicking, violence, humor. Jim hey, Jason. Rugg. Jason. Dude, yeah. take off your shirt. <laughs> I love that line. I don't think he so, read it yet. I, I did read it. I don't think oh, he was did? talking about the comic. Oh. oh. <laughs> Dude, take off your shirt. Oh, it's oh, so fun. Oh, so good. It's so funny. I need to break <laughs> that. I can't wait for my box. Yeah, it's, it's my favorite. It's my favorite gun. That's huge. <laughs> All right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for being here with us. And you know what? We'll be back next week. As usual, because we ain't going anywhere. We don't have any friends other than for Loudly. That's right. We love you. Say bye. Go bye, book. Have a good vacation, David. Thank you, buddy. Don't eat too much. See you. Bye.